America is brought to you by Pfizer. CBS Health Watch, sponsored by Pfizer. Anderson Cooper 360, brought to you by Pfizer. ABC News Nightline, brought to you by Pfizer. Making a difference, brought to you by Pfizer. CNN Tonight, brought to you by Pfizer. Early start, brought to you by Pfizer. Friday night on Aaron Burnett, out front. Brought to you by Pfizer. This week with George Stephanopoulos is brought to you by Pfizer. This weather report brought to you by Pfizer. Today's countdown to the royal wedding is brought to you by Pfizer. And now a CBS Sports update brought to you by Pfizer. Meet the press. Data download. Brought to you by Pfizer. This portion of CBS This Morning sponsored by Pfizer. On how to find the hidden sugars in the American family diet. Sponsored by Pfizer. Bill Gates' advice on how to combat mistrust in science at 60minutesovertime.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. Welcome to the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Thursday, August 3rd, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. I've got a great show planned for you today. Some interesting things that I added that I wasn't expecting to, that I think you're going to appreciate right in the beginning. Actually, some really interesting connections between a few different health-related things discussion points that I think it's a good place to start. But the main focus today is going to be both Niger, the revolution taking place there and the bigger implications, and most most important, the Pfizer Senate hearing in Australia. And just, it's really, quite honestly, it's not much different than most other ridiculous congressional hearings where there's, it's just an exercise in obfuscation and futility. But it's important in this case because of the questions being asked Quite frankly, because I feel like the Australian politicians in this case are asking questions that aren't either partisan oriented or softballs, which is what we get most cases, even in things that I agree with coming out of our Congress. But I'll let you decide for yourself what you think their objectives are. But ultimately, what they're exposing in real time is just how willfully dishonest. I mean, there's much more to it than that, but just on the surface, just aggressively dishonest, avoiding questions. In fact, just blatantly not answering questions, but then the way they answer says more than you can imagine, and we'll get to it. Uh, and then, of course, uh, a point about long COVID right at the end, which is really, it's just going to make you laugh out loud, but at the same time, be cry because it's terrifying that it's still happening and it's even getting worse. But uh, East Palestine, actually, we're going to start with at, that included with those health points that I just don't want people to miss. It's very important. You know, on a quick side note, I don't know why I just thought about this. Somebody was mentioning something about the eye contact on the show. What you guys uh, should know, you might not realize, is that when I'm looking at the show, I'm staring at both the content at the screen, but as well as kind of like the focal point of myself, which is me staring at this is eye contact with the with the show. Right. Except when I'm looking right at the camera. You guys feel like I'm looking directly at you, but it's much more difficult to maintain the flow of the show. Now, the reason I say that is because somebody made the point to say that that might improve certain things or when I'm asking for donations, that that would be appropriate. And I just want you guys to know that in my the way I feel when I'm doing this, I'm always looking right at you guys. 
I think that's important because, I mean, I think you guys know me by now that I'm, all, I'm speaking off the cuff from the heart. But I want you to know that I am in my, you know, the way I see it, I'm looking right at you. So I don't think that I'm always looking off. But then when I'm in my, my zone and my points, I tend to kind of trail around and so on. But that's just the way my brain works. But to start off today with a quick shout out to Courtney Turner and a, a, a great interview she just did with George Webb. I'll be interviewing him later this week as well on a bunch of different things. But uh, I recommend you take a look at this. It's entitled Distract and Divide Tactics with George Webb. Uh, it's, it's a, it was a, a great back and forth. And really just the, the, these two people on this conversation, it's, it's worth your time. So take a look at it. Um, and top of that, before I get into the opening point, I just saw this before I went live. Really interesting. There's a few things that I've been noticing with YouTube. Right now, and I've been I, a lot of these I don't mention to you guys that I know that this is in order to stop the pirate stream effort that we have. If those that are new to that, we are simply using other people's YouTube channels and accounts to broadcast our pirate station onto YouTube since we've been censored 45 times. Well, twice as the last American Vagabond, and then 40 plus times with other pirate channels that we continue to use. James Corbett has inter- interviewed me on this. We, he does them now, Corbett Pirate Streams, because he's been censored. And it's not because we want to support YouTube. In fact, it's actually using their resources against them, to be quite frank, because they're having to expel. Yeah, long story short, it's important to be able to put your message out there in front of people that might not know they're even missing it. Not that you guys should be using YouTube. I hope you're not. But nonetheless, there's been a lot of interesting things that keep happening in regard to stopping me from being able to use YouTube you know, anonymize, and this is not even just about me in general, but now you're apparently not allowed to use an anonymous window in regard to the chat. If you have a, a, a account that's been censored, you're not even allowed to open the chat. It just freezes up. You can't open the transcript. It just, unless these are just me, but I've heard it from a lot of other people. So they're actively hurting themselves to stop certain people from being able to access. And because is that about YouTube? Is that about the platform? No, it's about the controlled flow of information. All these platforms are doing things like this. But guess what I just saw today? A new thing. Here's the show from today. We're going to get into all of this. I noticed that both now YouTube is not allowing me to show their videos on The Last American Vagabond. I tried other ones as well, but this is the show from today. So I both tried to do it through the website, which is I have a a, a, a plug-in for it where you put in the, the link and it pops up. But I've also used the direct code right from YouTube, and it's just blacked out. The video seems to be there. But, you know, quite frankly, I don't care. I'm going to remove it afterward. I don't even know why I post it anymore. Really, why I do is to show that it gets censored every time. That's why I do it. But it's interesting, isn't it? How, how terribly, like, they are hurting themselves to stop me and other people doing this. Because this is using their resources. This is stopping connectivity. I mean, I, long, they're not worth any more time. But I think it's interesting that this is happening more and more, and it's all about anonymous you know, stopping VPNs, stopping you from being able to access things from, I mean, I guess even Twitter is now not allowing you to use VPN. At least I've been hearing that from people in certain areas. I haven't actually tested mine with Twitter, but it's interesting, isn't it? Oh, and this was just the other show I just did. Same thing. And this is the one from yesterday or day before, two days actually. And it was there before. Now it's black. <laughs> the video is still there. Also note that you can't even click on it now. So that means you're not, they're not even letting people go to YouTube through this platform. Very, very telling. I love it. Quite frankly, I love it very much. I love that they have to do this in order to stop something that they, you know, like, look, it's not like we're violating any rules here. It's very interesting. And I mean, they've gone out of their way to stop accounts that stop up that just like I've, I've asked other people, I haven't told you this, to open new accounts like ST Lab and they censor them <laughs> without even saying anything about it. No rules being violated. It's just hilarious. We're clearly persona non grata here. We are being I, just on Twitter today. I wasn't even going to bring it up. 
but I'm being, I'm, I'm now seeing that I'm not even allowed to be added to communities. Josh Walkos tried to add me to a community and it said, nope, you can't add that one right on the front. It said, he said, this T-Lab cannot be added to communities as we're being censored from every other aspect. I just think that's quite hilarious, but it shows you as always that we're over the mark. But on that note, make sure you don't miss the amazing interview I just had with Brad Miller. He was the battalion commander of the 101st Airborne, the army, and was relieved of command for refusing the jab. And his story is important. It really does show you what true leaders look like. Just because you're in power or in charge does not mean you're a leader and vice versa. It's about leaders are, are the, it's about the way you conduct yourself, right? Simon Sinek has a great video on this. Leaders eat last. That's how this is supposed to be. But today the leaders tell you, no, 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 I have to eat first. In fact, you have to make sure I eat first. Otherwise I can't lead. Even if that means you guys on the outskirts have to die to make sure that I keep eating a lot because I won't lead unless I get that. I mean, an analogy, but that is very clearly what we deal with today. So make sure you check this out. Brad is, a, is somebody I, you guys should be following. Now, to start today with the point about East Palestine and a general point about health that I think is really important. I, I, I was not surprised to see this as much as that's terrible even to say because I, I know what's going on here based on all the evidence, based on multiple independent researchers, including Scott and Texas A&M and all these other people that have pointed this out, including all, I mean, more than half of the CDC team that got sick while they were there, part of the EPA team that got sick while they were there, weird with all the same symptoms, but yet they're still telling you there's nothing wrong in East Palestine. How do we even make sense of that? You don't, is the point. You either acknowledge that that's cartoonishly, kindergarten-level obvious that they're lying to you, or you accept it because you're scared or because you have a political agenda. That's the reality. And they don't care that we see that. Think about how wild that is. So Scott just pointed this out. More testing that they're continuing to do, by the way, just found an increased level of dioxins in the areas that they already showed a 14,000% higher level. And I'm not exaggerating that. 14,000% more dioxins in the air filters of the people in these homes compared to controls that Scott Smith did himself. And now it's even worse. Now, how do you make sense of that? How do you un, how do you logically put this together? That either means that more is happening there, which could be, or it's what they did to the area. The burying of stuff, the dumping it, uh, you know, both vinyl chloride and other things, as well as dumping vinyl chloride right on the ground and letting that seep into the ground, burying it off in a way that maximizes the reach, the spread, the ongoing long-term problems. I, I mean, I, you, I'm not the expert, I'm going to tell you why I know why dioxins might increase. It could be rain. It could be any number of things. The point is that we're being gaslit in real time as the people of East Palestine are getting aggressively sick. Residents report even more symptoms now. Five months later, must all be anxiety. That's what they want you to think. Let's not forget that Norfolk Southern CEO Shaw lied or rather specifically omitted withheld one of the most important facts let parts of it pieces of information when they went to the end the in, um, volunteer fire chief both the epa and the ceo of norfolk southern and made him make the choice gave him 13 hours and told him he had to make a choice you know what he left out that the expert of the vinyl chloride which by the way was treated we didn't get told they, nobody told us that said that it was most likely not going to be a problem it's amazing how cnn and fox have missed that in huge story right and then, because they didn't tell him that, well, the fire chief, while being pressured, made the choice to burn this in an uncontrolled fashion. And then now they're blaming him. And on the record, he's saying, I, I'm, I, I'm being railroaded. Nobody cares. 
This situation is really blowing my mind. How incredible this is. I was going to try to bring that up, but of course this doesn't pop up. Let me do this real quick. I'm going to include these for you since I brought it up. I didn't plan to go off on all that, but the reality of how important all this is, both the 14,000 cent. Why do these things pop up in the search on others? Everything but my website. There's the actual video. Or actual. But here's the one. I recommend you watch this up to up to because there was ones that were less than that. But there was one that Scott Smith found himself 14,000 percent more dioxins in these homes than controls that he tested himself. And then I want to grab the one with with the CEO, which is amazing to me that no, I haven't seen very many people, if any. Pointing this part out. And, And even the corporate media had an article discussing what the fire chief himself said. Here we go. So make sure you watch these because I mean, I, it's my point about this from before is that this is all in, in real time exposed. The evidence is on the table. So I guess I could just harp on this every day and just keep stressing the point that, that is there. We can prove and that nothing happens about, or I keep trying to cover and, 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 and you know, cover more that's going on and branch out into the new stories of the day. But we need to realize that this is huge and nothing's being done about it. The investigation, on top of the fact that we found out he omitted for the fire chief, found that it was not necessary. The controlled burn was unnecessary. That's actually from the corporate media. If you didn't hear that, it means you didn't watch this show and you're and realized the corporate media didn't tell you this. Now, to the main point, after all that, all the lying and the covering up and seemingly, you know, whatever else went down and all that, when they made sure they dumped this stuff on the ground, which should have been a massive Everything about this just blows my mind. Independent testing expert reports increase in dioxins. Increase. Now realize dioxins. We're not talking about the, the, the half-hearted coverage of VOCs or vinyl chloride or the things they try to pretend that, you know, the corporate media. When they talk about the level of vinyl chloride, they're, they're, they're manipulating you because this stuff is burned, releasing dioxin into the air, or went into the soil and is, is a problem in general, but not the immediate risk of the moment. For most people, because that that stuff has dissipated. It is the byproducts of what happened. And that is primarily the dioxins. That's why he's testing for this. And they're not. Do you realize how many times they've even kind of nodded towards that and said, well, we're looking into it. Five months, they haven't tested for dioxins. Think about that. that. How much that shows you. It's been nearly six months since the catastrophic train derailment. And the fallout from the spill is still being felt. Lori Harmon, a two-time cancer survivor. She's also immunocompromised. She says, I'm going to several, seven specialists. So I'm not sure what my next step is. And right now, they're not covering most of this, guys, despite all of the pleas, all of the claims that we're going to take care of everything and we're going to help everybody. At every turn, they have shown themselves to do whatever they can to get out of it, which did anybody expect anything else? The government sure doesn't care. She says, I'm going to Cleveland Clinic, and we'll see from there. She said her symptoms have gotten worse in the past couple of months. Recently, she's having severe skin reactions whenever she's around dirt or grass. Now, of course, we could ask whether there is an overlap to the injection side effects, which are just as gigantic around the country. But we need to realize that this most of what's happening is exactly what you would expect, both from vinyl chloride from the beginning part of this and the reactions they had to that, as well as dioxins. 
even the acne or the chloracne, they call it. That is one of the primary issues of the dioxin problem. Nobody cares about any of this in the carbon media. It's, it's pathetic. Anyway, it's, it's exactly what you would expect. His results found that toxic equivalency concentration at the sulfur run increased by 261% between February and May. 261% increase in toxicity. <laughs> and EPA is telling you nothing's wrong. I feel like I just can't get away from this. It just blows me away. I, you know, you see my point? I just feel the circular point where I'm just exasperated. This is unreal. EPA considers dioxins highly toxic. Yeah, they, they won't really express that. They've buried this for 30 years, apparently. They've known about it. I've covered this 100 times. Anyway, please raise attention to this. With everybody you know and any content creator out there that does not realize this is happening, put this in front of them. You don't have to risk mention my name or not. My name probably don't do that because my name is probably one of the reasons half the people don't cover this. Ridiculous. On the same general note about the risks of all of this, PFAS was one of the things we talked about in regard to the area. And that was largely just because of the issues. Well, it was it was because of the things that happened there. So it like in general, the chemicals and the process, but it was also just because there's a PFAS issue around the country. Which, by the way, don't forget, they act, oh, suddenly, breaking news, PFAS all over the place. Isn't that weird after everybody starts making a big focus after East Palestine? Well, it's been around for decades, just the same as dioxins. They know about it. They don't care. They hide it. They float the occasional article, and they don't talk about it, even though this is in everything. And I'll show you a point next. Not, you know, a byproduct that slipped through, but something that they know contains it. So why all these articles about how, well, my gosh, this might be a problem. But then EPA, FDA, all the rest of it, allowing this to go right into products that go on your children's back. Because they don't care. Because it's all about lip service. Don't we see that by now? Genetic Literacy Project points out something that blew my mind. Stay informed on the PFAS debate. So now, now they're debating it. Finally, because we see it enough to point it out to get something moving. So now instead of going, fine, you caught us. We know it's bad and dangerous and deadly. We've known that for 20 years. Instead of going, fine, we'll do something. They go, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute now. Yeah, it is dangerous. Finally, we'll admit that. But now that we've done it for so long, well, we need all of these things. We need semiconductor production and all the different things that are causing this problem. So now we're in a kind of a pickle. No, we're not. We don't need those things if it's going to kill people. Well, to them, it doesn't matter. This is how this goes. The analogy you could find in foreign policy, you could find it in health, you can find it everywhere. Well, they hide it, hide it, hide it until now it's too late. Well, now we can't because we're stuck, right? Even though it's bad and dangerous and, and poisoning rivers and lakes and whatever else, well, we need it because of X, Y, and Z. Well, Ukraine, yeah, right? Right? I mean, everybody seems to see this from a different angle. It is the reality and they don't care. I mean, I don't know why this thorn popped in my head, but, you know, you could argue occupation of Palestine. Because if you really get to the crux of the point, the argument is, if, you, if, if you're being honest and acknowledging all the facts on the table, well, you know, yes, it's an illegal occupation, but, you know, they've been there for, for 100 years. So the point is, what, are we going to just uproot all these Israelis? Well, ultimately, yes. Like, the reality is that this is something, if we're going to stick to the, the law and what should be done, the only reason that this has been allowed to be that way for so long is because everybody in power has allowed the wrong thing to continue. And I'm not talking about the individual people on the ground, the governments and the manipulation. So when we let them have this excuse, well, all it does is allow the problem to continue because of X, Y, and Z. So they're debating whether to just go, well, yeah, I know it's bad, 
But what about everything else? While addressing medical necessities and semi-productive. Yep, these are the things causing the problem. Just get ready for this, guys. I'll cover this more. They're going to try to argue that, well, yes, it's like everything else. Like mass work, they work, and then finally, no, they don't. But here's what we'll give you to make it keep going, right? Yeah, the injections are killing you, but, you know, it's like how this works every single time. And here is what's continuing to happen. This guy's, by the way, somebody you should follow. He's doing good work. Like I've been, been catching a bunch of his videos lately. He points out something about Lululemon leggings that have been around forever. I mean, I remember when they were just exploding. It was every, all the girls wanted these leggings, right? Well, guess what? They're apparently consumed with forever chemicals. And they're skin tight around some pretty sensitive things. Think about that, guys. They're associated with hormone disruption. Big surprise. Cancers, others. And we talked about the EDCs, right? Well, check this out. And the point is, this is not a secret. So if they know these are dangerous to the point where they're debating if we need to allow them to be dangerous because semiconductors, why was this allowed to happen? This has nothing to do with that, right? Forever chemicals in the crotch region of Lululemon leggings and the leggings of many other companies. These are PFAs, perfluoroalkyl compounds that are called forever chemicals. It's very hard for the body to get rid of these and they're persistent in the environment. We know they can be absorbed through the skin, which is crazy when you think about the fact that they're concentrated in the crotch region of leggings like these. Why? And women don't wear underwear with these commonly. These chemicals are associated with hormone disruption, with cancers, with thyroid, kidney, and liver damage in humans. This, these are no joke, right? I mean, if you haven't seen my previous discussions about PFAS in general, make sure you check it out. These are dangerous. And then the whole point is they're called forever chemicals because they don't know how to get rid of them. This is the same thing with dioxins. They're near impossible to get rid of. Even the argument of incineration, we've shown it. Even then, some of the experts go, well, even that does not get rid of it. You end up putting out the flu ash that flies up and moves them around everywhere else. And they know this. Right? And the reason this, gets a co this conversation gets put down because they don't know what to do. So instead of going, well, let's just pause all these things, they go, but, but industry, profit. So you see the point? So it doesn't matter. If it bumps up against what they want to achieve, you are a by, you are a side note to this. So they just go, let it keep happening until we figure it out. And then the real question is, do they even are they even trying to do that? Just let it keep happening. They're horrible for us, and they're in our clothing, especially the crotch region of these leggings, where you're not wearing underwear. They're getting into your body, and they're staying there. Yes. Know what's in your leggings. Make smart choices. Knowledge is power. Know better. Do better. Be careful of what's in your clothes. There know what's in for... everything, guys. That's why I like this guy's work. You should check him out because he does a lot of these. He's talking about the seed oils and all sorts of stuff. But it's just mind-blowing, isn't it? Like these things are not you – know, I, I promise you that there's something else that could be used that would not allow this to be a problem. But guess what? I can almost promise you as well that it, that would be more expensive and more costly for the company. But, you know, because we want Lululemon to succeed, right? Because it's a governmental important <laughs> – yeah. Obviously, there's something bigger going on here. And it's pretty insulting that we even pretend like this is necessary. Rocky points something else out. Just, again, random thing I think is important, a general point of health. Farm salmon, he argues, is the most toxic food in the world. What do you expect when it's treated like garbage? Antibiotics are dumped to kill sea lice. They're packed like sardines. Waste is poorly managed. That's a huge one, by the way. For anybody that's dealt with animals or fabrication of meat or, or you know, in the process of a kitchen, if you have something that is like left in its own waste, that is never acceptable. Hey, <laughs> and... You know, these mass-produced things are like, think about the cows that sit in their own filth in these mass-produced farms where, you know, you can call it a farm. 
That's why they're dumping antibiotics and everything, because they, otherwise these things would be riddled with diseases. But that then even causes the bigger problem of, you know, antibiotic resistant issues, which will be an already are a problem. You know, they don't care about any of this because this has been discussed for 20 years and we're just still cycling through the nonsense. It gets worse when you look at what they've been being fed. It's garbage. Let's also not forget that the only reason this is happening is because of the way the government managed this, because of the reason of them arguing and, and blurring the lines between what they deal, deal, deem farm salmon and wild. It's quite obvious. We know the difference. But when they blend the lines, suddenly now all of it is farmed. And I talked about this a long time ago, and that's by design. And they feed them garbage. Farm salmon fed, feed is made from fatty industrial fish scrap that can't be sold anywhere else. So you're making cannibals, essentially. And imagine this. They're so afraid of the fat turning rancid that they add ethoxyquin, a compound made in 1959 to be used as a pesticide. Can, can you, you wonder if it's an endocrine disrupting chemical? Take a guess. And yes, it makes its way into salmon itself. 300 grams of Atlantic salmon contributes 15% of the accepted daily intake, whatever that means. Ethoxyquin has been linked with liver and kidney damage. Right? So here's the thing. You may go, well, it's linked and it might be minimal. And they would tell you, oh, it's to the, it's to the degree where it's acceptable, whatever that means today. Seeing, seeing as other people making those acceptable levels and metrics are people that have been proven to not care about you. But that aside... Why wouldn't you just go, okay, well, let's just not use this if it adds risk, right? Well, what would that mean? Well, they'd have to then make sure that that doesn't go bad. Or if it does, throw it out. As simple as that, right? What does that mean? Well, it means more, you know, effort, refrigeration, or buying more product. You see, that's all this is up against. Instead of simply going, be better, company, care more. Spend more for a better product. Or don't make it. Let somebody else who cares more make it or somebody else who knows how to do it in a safe way make it. No. You see, for whatever reason, probably because of lobbyists and people tied to government, they just make this the reality. They go, well, we need to do this so we can make this profitable. If In an honest world, they'd be like, too bad. You're going to fail or we're going to shut you down because you're hurting people. Nope. Not in this world. If you can't get access to wild salmon, there's really no reason to consume farmed. And again, I look into the, the blurring of the lines. And it's long since been, it's long too late because farm salmon are out there interacting with, right? And, and it's, trust me, but it says there are better meat sources out there. I agree with that. Wild salmon leaves you feeling energized. You absorb its vril, the agility and strength of the Voyager. With farm salmon, you're still, you're ingesting our toxins, all you're ingesting are toxins and pesticides. It's a disgrace what we've done to them. And think about that too. These are living creatures, guys. It's almost like we've transformed them into a whole different species. I, that's quite literally what this is. And then think about the implications of that on a larger scale for everything, including you. Someone, you see? Yeah. How it's breaking, you see? This is, uh, this is no good fish, you know? This you should be able to tug back and forth. It shouldn't break like this, you know? Right. A wild salmon contains 5 to 7% fat. This contains between 145 and 34% fat. Do you understand? Wow. And since the toxic... It's always following the fat, you know? Right. I was just going to say that. The, the, the fats are what hold all of that, including, in particular, dioxins that build up and, and stay in the fat. And then you eat that just like everything else. This is the most toxic food you have in the world. This. Now, th this guy knows what he's talking about, by the way. The point is simply, don't take his word for it, but realize that all of the information 
that we can see shows quite clearly that this stuff is not something that should even be consumed, let alone, you know, I mean, be fit to your family. Like this, this is some dangerous stuff. But what I think is really fascinating is the implications of what this suggests that is happening to everybody. Because realize the things that are going on in this are happening to you. The dioxins, the PFAS, all the things they're using is, is all, are all ending up in your body too. Not just through the salmon, but through every other aspect of our lives. It's pretty terrifying. But re- realize that this is not something we should, we, we can make this better. I, there are things that we can't take back, but trust me, with every moment, step in the right direction, we can say, because the human body and the planet, you know, aside from the sociopaths that are destroying it, is able to re- heal itself. It's designed that way. Your body, the planet, if left to its own devices or, you know, not polluted, will eventually heal itself. And that's where we need to be going. And here's another example that just kind of blew my mind, actually. I, and I, oh, what I was going to say about this is, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm a chef. For those who don't know, I went to the Culinary Institute of America in Napa Valley. That's what I did before I did all did this. Right? I, I've managed super high-end kitchens, both in Napa, in Sacramento. you know, And so I, I, I'm quite good at breaking down most all fish. And salmon are, is one of the most common. And I know exactly what he's talking about. You, you, it's very different. The way these things, they just, it sometimes just falls apart in your hand. And it's not old. It's pretty disgusting. But same point. What would you say if I asked you what you think is in salt? What do you mean? Salt, right? Well, guess what? In McDonald's and probably a hell of a lot of other places, probably including the cheap salt you buy at the store like Walmart, apparently has things like aluminum in it. Yeah, ask yourself why that even makes sense. Same guy. Salt on McDonald's french fries has three ingredients. Three ingredients in salt? What? What three ingredients are in the salt at McDonald's? Salt, which is sodium chloride, sugar, dextrose, and silico aluminate. An aluminum salt, which contains aluminum, which has been linked to all sorts of neurological issues in humans, including neurodegenerative issues, dementia, like Alzheimer's disease. That's what's in your salt at McDonald's. Not just sodium chloride, salt, sugar, and aluminum salts. Man, if these weren't bad enough, the salt even has three ingredients here. It's pretty ridiculous. Now realize that just the, even the sugar, because see, one of the interesting things, we went through this ridiculous phase in the world, in the country, I guess, or whoever, where it was like counting calories and, and fats, and then it was saturated fats, and then it wasn't, and it's, we just jumped to the next thing. It's, it's so hilarious. hilarious. But what's, what people are beginning to see and learn is that most fats, well, fats in general are, are not bad for you, and that's not the reason you get fat. They, I mean, there's there's more than one aspect to this, obviously. But it, in many cases, like avocado and the good fish, the fats are really healthy for you. The, one of the primary reasons that people get sick, overweight, get you know all sorts of ailments is sugar. It's not hard to this is some pre this is easy to prove with verified peer reviewed science that has been building for a long time. But just like everything else, it takes a hell of a lot of time, or you know, just the resistance of the people in power before these things actually reach the average person. Like, like the fact that we apparently have known and know right now that antidepressants don't work and actually hurt people and actually drive people to commit suicide. And we've been screaming about that for a decade. And only, what, last year did they finally admit that they don't actually work the way we thought? In fact, might not work at all. That was like six corporate media outlets. And guess what? They're still being used. See the point? It's mind-blowing, isn't it? Not, I guess, I mean, it is because it's happening, but it shouldn't surprise you.
This is, and it's not just like clumsy malfeasance. This is not, this is, in my opinion, in a, on purpose, guys. And I, this is the best way I can say that. There's a lot of things, reasons I see this happening, but this is not just, just profiteering, right? There's so much more going on here. Aluminum being put in the sky now, apparently dim the sun, right? Or the fact that we know that aluminum being sprayed for a long time before this, as we've proven over the years, have, is directly linked to Alzheimer's. You know, one of the leading causes of death in the UK are Alzheimer's or the injections. I mean, you go on forever. But the simple fact that on top the sugar, so that adds to cancers and everything else too, but then aluminum? I mean, I looked this up for a minute. I don't even understand the logic. What does this do? Does it make it taste better? Is it just to put aluminum in your food? I'll let you decide. Pretty nuts. What I wrote simply was every narrative and agenda seems to be collapsing right now. And maybe that's just my opinion. But that might, those that do see it, you know, it might make you feel uncomfortable, especially if you're new to this info, you know, because of the incredibly deep implications to what this might mean. But remember, guys, that this, no matter how you look at this, is a positive step in the right direction, the direction of truth. I mean, it doesn't matter how uncomfortable and unhappy it makes you. I, I would argue that most people, when given time to reflect, would realize that knowing the truth is better than hurting yourself while believing the lie that makes you feel better about it. Somebody in the chat makes a point that Orwell that I was that I was just about to make. Actually, I was talking about this earlier. My thought on this, in regard to the salt specifically, or just the action here, is at what point did they decide? Well, let's do this and not even rationalize it. Like, not even put out something that says, here's why this is happening. Because they must know that somebody would find this out. Because remember, the idea of iodized salt, the reason that ever happened, and I'm now questioning stuff like that. Not that I not see anything necessarily dangerous about iodine, but who knows these days. But the point is that the reason that was added to salt a long time ago was because people were having goiters. And it was a problem, apparently. And they, it was because they said they, people didn't have enough iodine in their, in their diet. So they said, let's add it to the salt because it's table salt. Everybody uses it, right? And then eventually that stopped being a problem. And now they have it, I guess, because people want it, which I don't even know why. But then there's all sorts of other salts, right? But see, the point was they were clear about that. We're, we're doing this because X, Y, and Z. So my question is, at what point did they do? Let's just add a little in them. And let's just not even care about giving an explanation. Now, that to me, get, that makes me feel a lot of things. But I'll let you decide what you think that means. But ultimately, the one thing that stands out to me is it's just, is there a timeline? That they don't, I mean, is there something coming up that they don't, like, is there not going to be accountability? Do they, re, do, they, do they have the mindset that it doesn't matter because of whatever? Like, it's just very telling to me. Very, very interesting. And then last on this opening point, you know how long I've been talking about grounding, earthing? A lot of you do it. We've talked about this many times over the years. I just wanted to include yet again, and I've done, I think I've included three different things that scientifically back this, but just to make this point for here, another example, here is uh, Toby, health overhaul, saying a free and powerful tool to improve your health. Look at the science, health benefits, and the best ways to do it, and you'll find, and this is just a, an image, but you'll find, you'll just look up grounding. There are studies, I think he does include some down here, about how wildly beneficial this is for you both mentally, physically, everything. And all we're talking about, for those that don't know, is just simply taking off your shoes and your socks and standing on the earth. For those that are super modern, they might think, well, that's stupid. That's just, that's just your mind. Well, you know what? Let's just say this, first of all, even if that is just in your head, that's more powerful and has been shown with science in many cases than the garbage they give you today. The placebo effect literally does have an effect. 
It's your mind and your brain's power is more powerful than most things you could think about. But the reality is science has actually proven that this does have a real benefit. And the only thing I want to point out is that in my, in my opinion, I'm not a doctor, but in my opinion, natural, organic, and I don't mean that in the sense of just propagandized, but just real, natural things are the way we should be going. And all we see is all the things they push down your throat under the guise that it's a better innovation for what you're going to... Well, look, just look through our history. In some cases, these things have improved our lives, but in most cases, and I mean most, they have lessened your freedom, they have removed your health, and they put you into a corner. Now, you can decide for yourselves, but think in this direction. At the point they're showing in this image is that an 84-year-old woman in only two weeks of just doing this, dramatically healed a wound and, 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 and improved a problem she was having. It's pretty crazy. Now, let's talk about a couple of other open uh, points in general that I think are fascinating before we talk about Niger. I saw this on NBC News. The FBI found 200 sex trafficking victims and more than 125 suspects during a two-week child exploitation operation in July. Isn't it interesting timing as they're all seemingly, you know, circling the wagons to say Sound of Freedom was a big scam and lie and QAnon. And then they're like, but look at us doing the same. Look at us. It's just funny. Like in the sense of what the, the media covers and the way that they frame it, they're just such children. But either way you spin this, assuming this actually happened, good, good news. It's, gr- it's good to know that this is happening if it actually happened. And the reason I say that is because I don't trust the FBI. I don't trust NBC News. I don't trust the government. They would wholesale make something like this up if they thought it would benefit their agenda. But let's just say for sake of conversation, this actually happened. Here's the thought that popped into my head. 200 victims, 125 suspects in just a quick two-week operation, right? Now, don't misunderstand and, and tell yourself that this is a ongoing every week operation. What this is, is them apparently going, hey, we're going to do this this next week. Hey, we did it and we got 200 victims. Okay, well then let's do it every day for the rest of your lives. How about that? How about you never stop doing this if you just pop in for a week and find 200 victims? One of the most profitable, disgusting black market industries in the world, and it seems primarily blossoming in the United States. Child sex trafficking. Not a high, it's not, see, because of the way they've been covering that movie, people are quick to call this thing conspiracy theory, even though this stuff comes out. But I don't, this, this just kind of blows my mind that we should be paying attention to how big this actually is. And it just because they throw out a, a quick two week operation, let's realize that this is not, this should be something that is a gigantic primary front of the conversation effort that never stops until we can prove this is no longer there. And if it's no, if it's still there, then never stops. Like I'm not, I'm absolute about that. This is one of the most important. And we're talking about the most vulnerable among us here. Anyway, I just thought that was pretty crazy. Interesting timing, isn't it? Also, just in case you missed this, I wanted to throw it in early in the show today. Talked about it in the last show. But the 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 State Department made sure, as, as well as Blinken, to let you know that they're now starting what's called the Bureau of Global Health Security and Diplomacy. The United States government is starting a global health security operation. Because that's not blatantly obvious, right? What, 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 why do you think you have the right to secure the global health? Because that's what's happening right now, guys. And they're just telling you without telling you. Well, on top of that, we'll get to the end. They're starting something else. And I'll say it now just because it ties in. Guess what? 
They're also announcing the formation of an office of long COVID research and practice and launch of long. Oh, sorry. I thought that was the same name. I was like, that was dumb. And practice. No, that is capitalized. Anyway, oh, it's the title. The Office of Long COVID Research. Long COVID, you know, the thing that is completely shown to, we'll get to it towards the end. How hilarious is this? And sad and alarming. Global health security. All these new bureau. I mean, we have so many unaccountable agencies and bureaucracies that we don't even know them all. And we're just adding more by the moment. Probably more than we even realize. More tax dollars, more control, less liberty. Well, guess what? On that same note of less liberty, the White House now backs renewing renewing one of the most controversial surveillance acts that we've ever discussed as the FBI faces scrutiny. (laughs) Yeah, Section 702, the FISA discussion, right? After everything that's happening with the FBI and the exposure of how they use this to spy on spouses, to to basically surveil Americans for any reason, for nothing, for allegations of disinformation, for criticizing Biden's policies. All of this is blatantly on the surface proven in congressional hearings. And Wells' documentation. They don't really answer the question, just like we'll get to with Pfizer, but it's real. And now they're going, yeah, well, we need to renew that. And guess what? It says not doing so could be one of the worst intelligence failures of our time, says the White House. Well, of course, they need to illegally continue to spy on you because then we can't continue to illegally spy on you. Duh. I mean, that's all this is really about. And and realize that's one of the points that comes out in this. They act like this is about foreign interference. They're using the illusion of foreign interference to spy on you like they even need that illusion. But they're also spying abroad. It's what they do. But realize you are the focus of all of this. Just in case you forgot, FISA Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, FISA, authorizes targeted intelligence collection of specific types of foreign intelligence information. Now, it's as simple as saying, oh, what Ryan said is a Russian talking point. So spy on Ryan. And if you think that's crazy, just take a look at what's been going on. They're, they're being forced to admit this. It's as simple as that. And there's basically no, I mean, they always act like there's some big process, but that's what they are basically admitting in real time is that this has been the FISA ongoing, uh, diff, the different, what's the term they were using? Um, allowances, you know, the different things they set up to aim to different people. Everyone has to have a different FISA allowance. I don't think that's the right word, but you get what I'm saying. And it is unparalleled. They're spying on Americans. Because of the illusion of some kind of Russian interference, and which is not impossible, it's just as likely as the U.S. doing it elsewhere. Elsewhere, but the point is that that is unverifiable. And just because I say Russia is justified to be in Ukraine or whatever, they'll say that is a talking point of the bad guys, and you're now being surveilled probably for the rest of your life. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. If it's not already exactly what's happening, but it says such as information concerning international terrorism or the acquisition of weapons of mass destruction, identified by Attorney General. It is an indispensable tool, they say, in the FBI's efforts to protect against national security threats. Well, you know what a national security threat is? Domestic terrorism, they say. Right? International terrorism? You're now an international terrorist. Domestic, white supremacist, Nazi. That's how that works. Simple. Now they spy on you. Now, in December 31st of this year, it will expire. Unless they reauthorize it, which of course they will. It's just it's just unbelievable that it's happening. Now, if you want to look at some of the stuff we've covered over the years on this point, here's something written by Carrie Wedler, Derek Bros, and it just it, it's just here in here's 2018 where the Senate voted to reauthorize the same program. Now, it's not unique to Biden, guys, as much as that's how it will be framed. Your government wants to spy on you because they're scared of you. That's the truth. 
and don't forget, as we pointed out then, Jason Bassler on the 19th in June also pointed this out. While everyone was pointing out what Peter Hotez was doing in his usual disgusting, ridiculous clown out outfits and acts, new docs surfaced at this time from a project between the DHS and the University of Alabama dubbed Night Fury. You know what it was doing? Analyzing and assigning risk scores to social media users like us involved in disinformation campaigns, right? And that is acutely aligned, it's homeland security, with the illusion that it's because of some foreign entity. And they're, that, and as he says, that social credit scores are coming. And they're already here, just being framed differently. Uh, 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 Majid Nawaz pointed something really interesting out. And the last couple notes I think are relevant. This goes into the Twitter discussion. He says, Does he, did Elon Musk's new World Economic Forum cabal CEO, Yakarino, just nuke an account that posted a Wikipedia page about her working with Biden and the Pope in a pro-vaccine campaign? Looks like it, but I can't confirm that that was exactly the, the account that was deleted. It's in the other tweet down there. Regardless of any of it, let's, we all know that it's already happening. People are still being censored. I've, I prove it every day. There's new accounts that get knocked off. I mean, I'm beginning to feel like it's going to come to me and people like us very soon. But interestingly enough, it's it, it's weird that we have to debate this. They're still censoring. They don't believe in free speech or freedom of reach, which is part of the same conversation as as Sam Husseini makes very clear in our previous interview. They there is no freedom of speech without freedom of reach. They're historically and legally in the past have been found, but they don't care. And so Elon draws that line and tells you we're not going to respect free speech, and then censors things based on hate speech, transgender conversations, COVID nineteen misinformation. It's all still happening. But what's interesting here is the part that he points out in this, which I found really interesting. This isn't it's her Wikipedia page. And then, of course, the, if she censored somebody because of this post, post that's, that's telling. I don't know. I can't verify that. But this is what it says under career. First of all, I thought it was funny that he only shows from this number 12 down. And I'll show you why that's interesting. It's right there. 12 right there. But Yakarina worked for the Turner Entertainment or for you know Ted Turner, <laughs> that is mainstream of mainstream media for 20 years. In 2018, Donald Trump appointed her, I didn't know that, to the President's Council on Sports, Fitness, and Nutrition. See the overlap, the illusion of the, the this is our, the, it's always like this. So it's funny that they decide to cut this part out and just show the bottom half. I think that's kind of telling. But so Donald Trump appointed her as the, President's Council on Sports, Fitness, and Nutrition. Then, Yaccarino became chair of the Ad Council's Board of Directors in January 2021 for a term that ran until June 30th, 2022. As chair, Yaccarino partnered with the Biden administration in 2021 to create a coronavirus vaccine campaign that featured Pope Francis. She also chaired the Future of Work Task Force for the World Economic Forum, which we already knew, Right. But it's interesting, right? So Trump brings her in, and then she continues to work under Biden. But yet it gets framed as only working for Biden by people pointing at it. I think that's interesting. But overall, the fact that it's interesting and clear that she's been working in this, which, you know, not that big of a, we've already know that she's pro-mask and pro-lockdown and pro-vaccine. But the fact that she already worked with the Biden administration and Elon is supposed to be like the right-wing counter, it's just we need to grow up and look past how obvious this two-party illusion is. They're all in the same club, and we ain't in it, guys, to quote George uh, Carlin. But last point, Greg Price points out, just since we're bringing up the Bidens, I don't know if you saw this, Hunter Biden, the agreement he just got, on, pa on paragraph 15, essentially, unless there's something I'm not seeing, 
and I've looked through this, I read this earlier today, the United States agrees not to criminally prosecute Biden, Hunter in this case, outside of the terms of this agreement. So they make an agreement, which very clearly does not encompass all of what's going on, as I keep pointing out. And then say, well, if, you know, we're going to probably slap on the wrist if that, and then or and then put in this that well, nobody else. It's sort of like a a uh, um, uh, what's the term for it? Well, double je- double jeopardy and like a murder trial, or you know, there's another term for this. But the point is that ultimately creating a circumstance where they're not allowed to bring this up again, <laughs> really. And then it goes on to say, for any federal crimes encompassed by the attached statement of facts. And the statement of facts attached as Exhibit 1 to the Memorandum of Plea Agreement filed this day. So look through it. It, It's just, you're basically creating a a pardon. This agreement does not provide any protection against prosecution for future conduct. So basically, anything else that happens in the future, not. But anything that we're discussing in this is completely off limits. That's ridiculous. Especially since it's pretty damn obvious this person is not going to be held accountable. And as he says, just sit back and admire the corruption of your government, that they tried to give the president's son immunity from any future prosecutions, which of the current content, then slap more indictments on his leading opponent in the next election one day after that, which basically did happen. You can, you can argue they're not connected, but it's pretty obvious that they're going after Trump politically. It's pretty ridiculous. Now, and you know, I'm not a fan of Donald Trump. I mean, I, as I said, pretty much exactly agree with Bill Barr's framing of who he is. That being said, it's still completely politically motivated. I, he didn't do almost all of what he said he did. I mean, it's just pretty sad. But, you know, we're, we're stuck in this middle limbo where the right calls me a left shill and the left calls me a right shill. And these opinions fall flat for most people because they're trying to decide with one of them. You just need to be objective about it. And the real most the most important way that we can see through this is when you look at foreign policy. That's what most people have used to break out of the two party illusion. Because when you really step back and recognize that the all of foreign policy is completely in lockstep for both parties, the government, that they're always leading in the same direction, that they always side, that they always vote the same way when it comes to foreign policy. Now, it doesn't mean every single vote, but I mean the outcome is always the same, despite the theater put on by our congressional meetings. But to talk about Niger in particular, to start the foreign policy conversation... It's just, or Ukraine for that matter, just using these examples to stand back and go, if these people are on opposite sides, how does this make sense? I think that's important for those that need to, are trying to break away from this. But let's talk about Niger. Now, we just talked about this on, uh, this is the article I used to reference to start last segment. This is from the 26th when this first kind of started. The point was that I, in here that I thought was relevant, was very clearly saying that the United States immediately called for the, as I would see the U.S. puppet release, Bazoom. And he says, I spoke with President Bazoum earlier this morning. This is this is a uh, Blinken and made it clear the United States resolutely supports him, which, you know, that doesn't prove that they, he's a puppet. But, you know, the U.S. wouldn't stand up to say that if it was somebody they didn't align with or have interest in or have investment in. Right. That's just historically very accurate. We call for his immediate release. Then it says that he, the U.S., and this is, I think, the obviously important part, has two drone bases in Niger. They also have about 800 troops, some of whom are understood to be special forces. Essentially, Niger is the last U.S. ally left standing in that particular region of the world. So the point is they're about to lose their last foothold in this continent, which is, I mean, well, I'll get to why that's so important in particular for the U.S. government. And so they're doing everything they can to maintain this. And I'll save some of these points about overlapping with other countries to in a minute. 
But just understand that this is this is what this is really about. And that is at the expense of the people of Nigeria. France, of course, also condemns attempts to take force power by force. Did they condemn that one in Iraq? Did they condemn that in Afghanistan or or, or Libya or, or 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 anywhere else that they've all done this or any examples of French's colonialist past or future that this I mean, no, of course not. They only don't like power by force when it's something that they don't gain from. Earlier on Wednesday, commissions, and this is the important part for today, starting here, of the African Union of the Economic Community of West African States. That's, I don't know how they pronounce, I don't know if it's E-C-O-W-A-S or ECOWAS. I'll just say ECOWAS, or I'll just spell it out in case I'm wrong. Describes the moves against Bazoom as an effort to unseat the politician. Well, that's obvious. The point is whether or not you feel it's justified if the people support what happened. Who was elected president two years ago in the nation's first peaceful democratic transfer of power or the first power shift that was allowed and endorsed by the U.S. government. So whether or not it was peaceful, it is peaceful because the U.S. supports it. You see how that works? You know, just like the military overthrow of Bolivia was a peaceful, excuse me, peaceful transition. It's not true. Obviously, it's not true. And all the facts back that up or everything else they've tried to do in the past. Right? These are illegal occupations by force. That's what they're trying to do. And right now, that's the case here. There are, there are troops on the ground that they don't want there that aren't leaving. Quote, it should be clear to all players in the Republic of Niger, players, right? It's a big game for them, that the leadership of the, of the ECOWAS, I'll say it anyway, ECOWAS region, and all lovers of democracy around the world, in other words, people that love the control of people under the guise of democracy, will not tolerate any situation that inca- incapacitates the democratically elected government of the country. Well, you didn't care when, when Evo Morales was removed. You didn't care when Assad was removed. You didn't care when any of these situations happened because you agree with it. Right? The, the point is, this is absolute BS. Now, the point is, ECOWAS, or this, this group is threatening sanctions and actually insinuating and openly stating in some cases military action if they don't do what the U.S. government wants. Now, first of all, it's really insulting to go back to France, France Macron's point about power by force to realize, and this is just, I'll, I'll read some of it. It says, if you tell me, I... Hold on, start down. It says, you tell me if I invite you, but a revolution is not invited. It is the people who decide it. Right. Okay. So that's why they always pretend like the people don't support what they don't like, even though you can prove that they do, like in this case. So what's interesting is here he is, as he says, Macron to the people of Lebanon. The revolution does not happen by order. The people do it, right? The support the people want. To the French, though, when the French were resisting, well, protests are illegal, and no one has the right to revolt against representatives of people. See how that's just a completely ridiculous contradiction? And now Macron doesn't know what to say to the Nigerians, confused with his own double standards. Well, the point is, it's a coup if they don't agree with it, and it's a freedom revolution if they do. That's always how this works. It's just an obvious double standard, right? Freddie Pontone, by the way, who you should follow, who has always a wealth of knowledge on a lot of these topics that pertain to you know foreign policy in general, he points out that General Salafo Mude of the armed forces of Niger met Wednesday in Burkina Faso. Niger has received strong support from Burkina Faso, as well as, as Mali, I believe, in the face of ECOWAS sanctions and guarantees of military assistance. Right. So what you're seeing is coordination by the other countries in Africa to stop this from happening. As they said, we don't want Niger to become a new Libya. Now, does that sound like somebody trying to destroy the country for their own benefit? 
Now, I'm not saying that means it's true. Of course, they could lie like anybody else. But let's take the facts as they come and look at what's really going on and realize that as far as I can tell, the people support this. And the people that are acting right now care about that. Now, again, let's wait and see what happens because I don't know these people. I don't mean, I'm not going to pretend like the ridiculous, clownish corporate media that I know what they want or think. But the actions seem to suggest that this is a group that is deciding to push back against foreign occupation. Now, that in history doesn't always end up being a positive turn, even if they do have the right to push back against an even more corrupt regime. But usually when violence happens, people tend to take advantage of that. But I hope not. We'll have to wait and see. But Rachel Blevins makes a great video here. The military coup in Nigeria is the latest in a string of government overthrows in West Africa that the U.S. and EU are blaming on Russian interference or influence. Now, look, I'll get to this in a second. It's not a secret that Russia has engagement with these countries. But what I've said every time is easy to prove. One, they're openly saying, as, long, as well as the people, that they welcome an agreement. Because, look, they're dealing with occupation, theft, and colonialization versus a group that's saying... We want to make a deal. Now, I've never argued. I, I guarantee Russia will make this to the maximum benefit for them. But the point is the people in this country are making an agreement. Even if it's strong-armed, they're still going, I agree, and signing the contract. That's not what's happening with the United States. They overthrow people. They put a puppet in place, and then they reap the benefits over and over and over. This is as they continue to lose control in the area, and that's what's really happening. But with the West threatening sanctions, while Russia forgives $23 billion in debt and pledges $90 million to the development projects in Africa, shocker, right? Is it any wonder the why residents of this are waving Russian flags? Now, of course, the corporate media is going to tell you it's all propaganda. And, of course, you should consider that possibility. But the evidence is overwhelming, guys. The, you can look, I mean, watch this video, I'll play it for you, but the information is very clear. It's on the record. You have the, the open people or the open leaders this moment making these agreements. The people supported it, would seem. But it's pretty basic to compare threats, action. I mean, even before this coup, it's pretty clear that the U.S. government was exploiting this area or, or France, for that matter. As, as I think it was Sarah Abdallah that points out, like, how exactly does this country have $40 billion in gold reserve, gold, uh, um, resources coming out of the country, but only a $9 billion GDP because they're being stolen from, and they know that. So listen to what she has to say. Rachel's doing great work. For Africa has been ongoing for many years, but it's reaching a pivotal point as key nations break away from Western influence. So let's talk about it. The West African country of Niger has been in the headlines after top military officials announced a government coup last week. They cited poor economic and social governance and specifically said they were ready to fight back against any foreign interference in the country. By foreign interference, they mean from the West or more specifically, the United States and France. See, even though Niger gained independence from France back in 1960, it has remained under the influence of its former colonial power ever since. And of course, the U.S. has gotten involved in the name of fighting terrorism and promoting democracy in the African nation. They applied the same Western blueprint we've seen time and time again, which is you have the leaders we want who act in our interests, and if you give us access to your natural resources and let our military have free reign in your country, then we will give you foreign aid. As a result, Niger, which is one of the poorest countries in the world, was receiving around $2 billion per year. In Don't forget, 
that that is directly that you know aid in most time in most cases with these puppets they put in place well they're rife with corruption just like we saw in and still see in Ukraine so they dump 2 billion dollars a year in aid and most of that gets distributed amongst their powerful entities and and you know like like with Afghanistan like warlord you could prove in these countries that they dumped this money in and most of it got abused by people that they put in power and you know what they don't care about that it's and as long as they get what they want that's what, I mean in fact that's why they seem to choose morally ambiguous or just corrupt people because they're easier to control with money it's as simple as that and that's why these countries are putting out 40 billion dollars in gold but yet still living like absolute slaves and that's their statement guys the people are continuing to speak up about this today and it's it's becoming impossible to hide foreign aid, according to the World Bank. But that is no longer the case, as France and the European Union responded to the coup in Niger by cutting off aid to the country. The U.S. threatened to do the same. Speaking of natural resources, Niger is one of the world's largest producers of uranium. Not only has France's state-controlled nuclear fuel producer invested heavily in the African nation, with France relying on Niger for 15% of its uranium imports, But in 2021, Niger was the EU's top uranium supplier, followed by Kazakhstan and Russia. That, of course, presents a major problem, given the fact that the EU is trying to eliminate its dependence on Russia altogether. Speaking of Russia, the West is especially not happy with the fact that when thousands of residents took to the streets across Niger this weekend in support of the military coup, some were seen holding Russian flags and chanting, long live Putin, while denouncing France and Macron. One protester in the central city of Zinder told the BBC, quote, I'm pro-Russian and I don't like France. Since childhood, I've been opposed to France. They've exploited all the riches of my country, such as uranium, petrol, and gold. Now, that's not to say that Russia won't do the same thing. But from their perspective, how can we not understand that? It's vivid. They've lived through it. It's like talking about what happened throughout the Middle East. They have a very clear understanding of what the U.S. government is. And I say the U.S. government because it's, I've shown this many times. Most of them are well aware that it's not the people's, just like in their case, in many of these countries, they're in the same position, right? So what's interesting is that when Russia steps in and offers something that at least appears better, well, they're all for it because there's no illusion about what France does in this country. You know why? Because they don't think it even matters to... in. They're in control of the area. This is a colonial state. This is an occupied territory. That's what we should understand. So the people down there and the puppet government, which was just overthrown, they're in control. So they don't need to sell the people of Nigeria on some illusion that France is selling them freedom. They just do what they want because the people in the West don't seem to care what goes on in Africa. That's the worst part about it. And so now that they took over and now they're upset about it, well, people are suddenly listening to what these average people have to say. We should pay attention. Niger isn't the first country in Africa that the West has accused of falling under Russian influence. In fact, it's actually the last Western stronghold in the Sahel region, which the United Nations refers to as the land of opportunities due to its potential for renewable energy. Located on some of the largest aquifers on the continent, access to the Sahel is vital to achieving what the UN calls its 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. That was until the country... Don't don't forget that overlap, obviously. Now, I'm going to do probably uh, maybe not tomorrow, but you know, we have a family event tomorrow, but it might be later in the day. If not the next day, I'll do another focus on trans stuff and a couple other things. 
but one of them being the 2030 agenda and a lot of this WHO treaty stuff. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. But realize how absurd all this is, that you could find all these agendas and how all of them seem to overlap with the larger agenda. So clearly what's going on in this area is important to their next step. That's what matters, not the people of Nigeria that they pretend to care about. Countries that sit along the vital region started to fight back. In fact, the latest government overthrowing Niger is actually the ninth coup we've seen in West and Central Africa in just the last three years. That includes Mali in 2020, Mali again, along with Chad and Guinea in 2021, and Burkina Faso with two government overthrows in 2022 alone. The common trend among the uprisings appears to be a fight back against the Economic Community of West African States, or ECOWAS, while the organization brands itself as promoting trade. Hey, I got it right, ECOWAS. <laughs> I was just guessing, so I'm glad I got it right. With Western countries like the U.S. and the EU, in order to bring economic stability to West Africa, it has long been accused of corruption and double mm-hmm. standards. It also attempts to cut countries off if they overthrow their Western-approved leaders, exactly. which is exactly what we're seeing happen now. In the most recent case, ECOWAS announced it is suspending all commercial, financial, and energy transactions with Niger. It also said the country's military has one week to give up power and even threaten the use of force if they don't comply. But the military leaders in Niger are not backing down, and they have the support of the military governments in Burkina Faso and Mali, who are warning that any use of force against Niger will be considered a declaration of war against their own nations and could destabilize the entire entire region. They also said they refused to impose ECOWAS sanctions against Niger, calling the measures illegal, illegitimate, and inhumane. Meanwhile, countries like the U.S. and France have justified their presence in West Africa by claiming they are there to fight terrorism, <laughs> and it's running rampant, especially in the Sahel region. The reality, in my opinion, and I think the facts back this up, is that these people, just like we pointed out with James Corbett and Ben Swan's work, that they're entities that are at least influenced by things that are coming from the West. And so the argument is because they're there, just like the Sudan, by the way, we all all hear randomly, oh, they bombed the Sudan. People just go, oh, what's going on there? It's the same garbage they talk about when they say we're going after... Ah, blanking on the group they referenced there. Tell me, run me in the chat. So many of these ridiculous stories. But the point is that we should understand that they have at least fingerprints in the creation of these groups. But the point is that they're not really there to fight them. So we should be asking whether that is a manufactured justification. In fact, if they might be using these groups to be present to justify what they do, just like with Yemen, just like with Syria, or maybe everywhere. Where the D.C.-based think tank, the Wilson Center, reported in May that the Sahel accounts for 43% of global terrorism-related deaths. But- well, think about that real quick. Isn't it interesting that one of the most important kind of belts for the 2030 agenda just randomly somehow explodes with 43% of the terrorism deaths, which then goes, well, we have to be there because terrorism. Boko Haram, thank you, Orwell, for, from Sudan. Right, but think about that. So suddenly now they go, look, look, look. It's a really bad area. We have to be present. Otherwise, people will be hurt. Well, maybe that's the case, or maybe like everything else we've seen throughout history, it's a justification, it's a problem reaction solution kind of discussion. While the West warns of instability, the overwhelming message from the countries that have overthrown their ECOWAS-approved governments has been that the presence of American and French troops and UN peacekeepers have only made the situation worse, and they're nowhere closer to eliminating the extremists linked to Al-Qaeda and the Islamic State. That is verifiable. 
I mean, look, the basic reality of even the so-called war on terror, the war of terror, is as at even at their own admission, there's more terrorism today than there was before they started this. Now, I don't know if that's true, but that's what they've stated at the very least. But on top of all of that, anytime they want to, they pull oh, ISIS, ISIS over here. And despite Trump and many others at many different times saying they defeated ISIS, right? Well, that's, it's obviously not. The pro, the, the, but, the, but in specifically for Niger, you can prove this. You know, long, they've been there for, for how, what? I mean, France, how long? But decades. The point is that clearly the problem only got worse. So either they're bad at what they're doing and shouldn't be allowed to keep going, or they're doing it. God, this is the same argument we make on all these conversations. It's like, uh, like, why do we allow this government to continue to spread freedom around the world? As I keep pointing out, they're batting zero, guys. Zero. Can you point to a single country they've occupied and improved? Oh, wait, go ahead. It's amazing that that point is not discussed. That's ridiculous. So maybe we should go, hey, maybe you're gen- you have genuine intentions, but maybe just take a beat. <laughs> maybe just sit down for a minute and stop ruining countries and while you're pretending to fight for freedom. You know, the point is they're not doing that. But it's interesting to see how we keep allowing that illusion to go as they've bat zero here, as well as Niger. That's why countries like the Central African Republic have turned to the Wagner Group in hopes that the Russian-funded private military company can provide a level of security that the West has not. Because while the U.S. and the EU are threatening sanctions against the countries that don't comply, telling them that if they don't obey the commands of the West, then their people will be forced to suffer, Russia is taking the opposite approach. In the last year, Russian Foreign Minister Lavrov has embarked on multiple trips to Africa, where the message has been clear. Russia wants to work with the continent as equal partners on Africa's terms. We appreciate uh, your determination to continue to develop our relations on the basis of equality, mutual respect and friendship, in spite of the attempts of uh, you-know-whom to promote unilateralism in world affairs, uh, in, uh, I mean, contrary to the objective trend of history. Now, what's interesting, guys, is we all know who he's talking about. Some of the U.S. government, right? But you have to realize that this is the general consensus in pretty much everywhere else in the world. We need to realize that. that You know know who, and everybody knows who he's talking about. It's it's just, it's it's all, and, and this is what's collapsing right now. And even Americans are beginning to see that. But just realize, it's not because of some, some effort to shift power, which that's, that's happening too. But this has been something that has built for a very long time, where this go- the government, it's not because of American people. We've been lied to our entire lives. The government and the powerful people, who include people not even involved in this country, have driven it this way, have used this power and abused people around the world under the name of freedom. Everybody sees that, except people born in this country or other Western countries that get aggressively propagandized from the moment they come out, even before. And the objective trend is development and evolving of a multipolar world of which Africa is going to be one of the key centers. At last week's Russia-Africa summit in St. Petersburg, Russian President Putin revealed that Moscow has forgiven $23 billion in debt historically owed by African nations and plans to allocate another $90 million for development projects on the continent. Многим в Африке известна поговорка. I'll read it to you for the podcast. He's saying, many in Africa know the saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. 
иди вместе. Мы действительно готовы сообща, рука об руку с африканскими друзьями работать на перспективу выстраивать подлинно стратегическое взаимодействие и партнерство. Also not hard to see why ECOWAS was so concerned when what has been branded by France as the era of coups kicked off back in 2020. They warned that the movements would be contagious and they were right. We are watching the West start to lose its grip on the continent it once exploited with the threat of sanctions no longer carrying the weight they once did because a country like Russia which knows those threats all too well, is offering to lend a helping hand. It's something the West won't forget, especially as it sets the stage for another possible proxy war between NATO and Russia in the years to come. And that's something everyone should be talking about. Yep. If anything in this video... I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And in fact, that might be the very point. Right. And that's not a good thing. Like this will just like the, dri the, the driving, the ongoing conflict between Ukraine and, and U.S. and Russia. It's the same kind of thing we should be worried about. But, you know, I, the point I've made many times is that it's not outside the possible uh, the realm of possibility that Russia, as you know, doesn't it, it remove the good, bad arguments from either side of this, that Russia is just simply able to recognize that the U.S. government losing its power and grip on the world is acting irrationally for years now, for decades. And that is something that people see. So it's strategically smart for the Russian government, Putin himself, to play the role of the good guy. And maybe you think that's the reality. Maybe it is. I don't know. But all I do know is that at the end of the day, it makes political and you know strategic sense to step in and play the counterbalance because people are ready for it. People are thirsty for it, especially even, even if it's not true, selling on the idea of the multipolar concept that people want. Because like I, when I say maybe it's not real, I have a point I'll show you in a minute about the way the direction that Russia continues to seem to go, which concerns the hell out of me, which does not feel in the direction of BRICS or anything other than the Great Reset, to be quite frank. But the point about this is obvious. It, we need to be real about how, uh, how clearly this is what the people there seem to want. And it doesn't. And that then shows you that, that this, they don't care about what people want. They care about what they can use them for. Here's Wyatt Reed showing you. And there's many examples. Massive demonstrations underway in Niger celebrating Independence Day. Tens of thousands are out to show support for their new government and condemn the threat of invasion by their Western-backed neighbors. You won't see this in the corporate media, just like you won't see those in any, any, you know, any protest they don't want you to see. Megatron points out Africa is preparing for war. After the coup d'etat in Niger and the removal of the French puppet from the presidential position, the West African organization ECOWAS, which is under the full control of the United States and France, announced that it would attack Niger. Yesterday, Mali, Burkina Faso, and Guinea jointly declared the attack on Nigeria as an attack on all of them and that they will intervene if they intervene militarily, or they will if it happens. So that's a big deal. And then, of course, you'll know that, at least I would argue, that Russia will take their, their plight and all this. But the most interesting part is Algeria's statement that it will also intervene militarily if Nigeria is attacked. Today, the chief of staff of the Algerian army arrived in Moscow for a meeting with, with uh, uh, Shogu, Shogu, right? 
Weird, I wonder if I've said that out loud before, but you know what we're talking about. Algeria is likely to receive heavy weapons from Russia and Iran through its ports. The U.S. and France have confirmed that they support military interventions by ECOWAS, de facto confirming that they are creating a new war in the world like in Syria and Ukraine. The same scheme worked for them when they destroyed Libya, but today Niger has powerful support. And it's just a map that can kind of show you what's going in. You know, you can see the green is the ECOWAS members, but it's shifting. And I argue it will continue to with what's going on, especially when you see these other countries around them going, whoa, look at this. All, they're, they're acting in their own direction. The people have a voice. There's, you know, whatever, whether that's just perception or not. We're going to see more. Sarah, point, Sarah Abdallah points out the, the very same Western powers who are now threatening intervention in Nigeria, which they are, turned Libya from Africa's most prosperous country into a shattered land, torn apart by war and engulfed in chaos to this very day. Zero ICC arrest warrants, like they've done with Putin. Zero calls for sanctions, like they've done for literally anybody they want to that day. International rules-based order, right? Africa Archives points out Libya was the world's poorest country in 1951. And guys, this is all easy to prove. Gaddafi made it Africa's most developed country with $150 billion in foreign reserves and zero debt. Easy to prove. Under, under Gaddafi, Libya had one of the world's strongest currencies. It had the highest quality of life, according to anybody that would talk about it, other than Western powers trying to frame it as something other than it was. And it's easy to prove. Free education, free health care. So they just removed him. Under the guise that he was the evil person that they wanted. And remember all the same narratives came out. Or Viagra and raping and all the things that we've exposed as lies in Russia too. And Clinton said, what does it even matter now? Yeah, I wonder why. She also points out, isn't it amazing how the United States can illegally occupy Syria and Niger and scream about Ukraine's sovereignty at the same time? Pretty stupid, actually. The Pentagon stated that it will keep its contingent in Niger. About, well, I've heard it's about 800, but as he writes, about 1,000 soldiers, regardless of the demand of the military junta or the revolution to end military cooperation with this country. This means another illegal occupation like the one in Syria. Now it's the USA's turn to kick out the small, the all, kick out. It is the U.S.'s turn to be kicked out of all sports like Russia. But wait, the point is that you can see, and this is the picture of them illegally stealing the oil. You know, they're also burning the wheat fields and everything else that I've been reporting for a long time. But you realize how ridiculous this is. This is the same as Iraq, where they voted, you know, from the democracy they pretend they're respecting to have them move out of their country. And they said, no, thanks. But we respect your sovereignty, though, because that's not ridiculous, right? Well, here's the real reason or one of the many that they're actually choosing to stay here. Nigeria. In Nigeria, the U.S. has a $110 million drone base, too, in fact, if I understand the information correctly. And now they can't use it because the country has shut down their airspace since the 26th. Look at that. Their only foothold in the country, at least that we understand, we know, I guarantee there's probably more actually, but in this area is important. And they now, now they don't have the ability to launch their drones from this area, at least right now. That's really important for them. Algeria, Libya, Burkina Faso, and Mali seems to have authorized the use to, to, uh, to Nigerian airspace. 
He also points out that Niger coup threatens Nigeria-Morocco 30 BCM gas pipeline project. Of course it does. Of course that's totally not why. Like this is all, these things are all, it's not just about these things. It's not or just about oil or just about gold, but all of these play a factor. Plans for the Trans-Saharan 30 BCM gas pipeline that would link Europe to the giant gas fields in Nigeria are in danger following a coup in Niger, which I, I'm willing to bet you, like if you want to think further into this and argue maybe there is coordination with Russia, again, that they're in agreement with. So we shouldn't look at that as some kind of surreptitious thing because they're in agreement. Niger is working with them by agreement. But the point is, you, you could argue that Russia was like, hey, let's, let's execute this now because of X, Y, and Z. And that would make strategic sense, wouldn't it? Because now, after they blow up the Nord Stream pipeline, there's a lot more trouble coming their way. And as he also points out, one of the points I think is most important here. Who needs who here, exactly? When you look at the continent and you understand that the U.S. government, all of them for that matter, including Russia and China, need this continent because of all the things that they get from this continent. I mean, everything. Rare earth minerals, gold, oil, everything. Uranium, iron. Again, who needs who exactly? And this is why... Again, Sarah points out, $40 billion in gold, but $9 billion GDP because they're being stolen from. They need the people of Africa. Africa does not need your support. They need, they, uh, the reason it appears the way it does is because they've been stuck and held in this position. They've been robbed, raped, and stolen from their entire lives. If they're allowed to have a democratically elected government in truth and actually be able to use these things to benefit their peoples, maybe they would have a better position. And I say maybe because those people in power could be just as bad. Maybe they would still be a secret puppet. But ultimately, if left to their own devices, they could progress like any other countries or continent would. But the idea that they somehow inherently will always need your support, isn't that disgusting? Is that racist? It's hilarious how the racist people fighting racism are the ones that are the most racist today. Well, he also points out. Oh, I want to point this out too. Hold on, I forgot about that. But before I come to this, Jason points out or Jackson, we have uranium, we have diamond. Rather, what they're saying, we have uranium, we have diamonds, we have gold, we have oil, and we live like slaves. We won't accept it. These are the people in Nigeria. Before I forget, though, I wanted to point something out that I thought was interesting. Really quickly, let's go back to. Who was he? Let's see. Which one was it? One of these accounts. Was it Megatron? No, maybe it's later. Yeah, this one. Well, since we just... Here's the next one. Sprinter says Russia is family for Africa. Right? So, again, that is not okay with the U.S. government. They're going to frame this as Russia manipulating Africa, despite their making agreements, or China for that matter. But real quickly before I go forward, I thought this was pretty interesting. So here is... Jackson Hinkle, who's, you know, wildly partisan, and I'm not, you know, follow, or not necessarily huge. Well, the point is, if you click it, it goes right to subscribe, right? Check this out. Here's a sprinter. Huh. Isn't that weird? Let's refresh. Maybe it's just a glitch. We'll just refresh real quick and try it again. Oops. Of course. Here we go. One more time. Isn't that strange? It's almost like Sprinter puts out genuine information that's not partisan and doesn't, you know, it's just, I, I, who could be just a glitch, I'm sure. I keep seeing stuff like this. It's everywhere. Artificial obfuscation, suppression, 
far more than blatant censorship, which, by the way, is a lot more damaging, to be honest. Interesting. Now, the point is, he says, Russia is a family for Africa, too. We feel like family in a sense, and Russia is family for Africa, too. He says, we are a family because we have the same history. This is Burkina Faso speaking, or a representative of Russia, made enormous sacrifices, he says, to free the world from Nazism during World War II, which is true. The African people, our grandfathers, were also forcibly deported to help Europe get rid of Nazism. We share the same history in the, same, in the sense that we are the forgotten peoples of the world. Whether in history books or documentaries or films, I, I frankly agree. It's pretty crazy. We tend to dismiss the key role played by Russia and Africa in the fight against Nazism. As far as what concerns Burkina Faso, today, far more than eight years, we've been confronted with the most barbaric, the most violent form of neocolonialism, of imperialism. And you know exactly who he's referring to. Slavery continues to impose itself on us. Debt slavery and other kinds, as well as slavery, our predecessors taught us one thing. The slave who cannot carry out his own revolt doesn't deserve to be pitied. We do not feel sorry for ourselves. The people of Burkina Faso have decided to fight. To fight against terrorism in order to relaunch their development. In this struggle, valiant people from 20 populations have pledged to take up arms in the face of terrorism. Guys, when they're talking about the Western powers. He's not, well, but also the, and well, same point. The groups on the ground that they're convinced are only there because of the Western powers' presence. He says, this we affectionately call the VDP of volunteers. We are surprised to see the imperialists calling these VDPs militias and all kinds of things. It's disappointing because in Europe, when people take up arms to defend their homeland, they are treated as patriots. Exactly. But that's not the problem. The problems, the problem are African heads of state who contribute nothing to these people who are fighting, but who sing the same song as the imperialists, you know, the puppets, calling us militias, calling us men who don't respect human rights. Which human rights are we talking about? We take offense at that. It is shameful. We African heads of state must stop behaving like puppets who dance every time the imperialists pull the string. Yesterday, President Vladimir Putin announced that he would be sending grain to Africa. We are very pleased. We thank him for that. But it is also a message to our African heads of state. Because at the next forum, we cannot come here without ensuring, for those who are not familiar with war, that our people are self-sufficient in food. We need to take the experience of those who have already achieved this in Africa. Build good relationships with and build better relationships with the Russian Federation so that we can meet the needs of our people. Glory to our peoples, he says, to end, it looks like dignity to our peoples. Victory to our people's homeland or death. Interesting. And you, I, I, it's, I guarantee it's already being framed as Russia and this is Russian proxies or Russian stooges. And, you know, that's all certainly possible. But as always, evidence is important. And what we can see very clearly on the other side of this is pretty undeniable. But as I said before, just because they're, they're setting themselves in, in front as the people of the people that they just historically, whether puppets or not, is not always an indication that it's going to be better. But 
just one other point that I think is important about the, you know, why the people see it this way. Here's a video, again, from Sprinter. In 2017, where French, where Macron basically insinuated that this, well, he, in a, he said, it's, I'll just let it play, but it says, behaved inappropriately with the president of Burkina Faso, after which the latter left the hall. After Macron said, oh, he went to fix the air conditioner, as they all laugh at him. Now, the point, as it says, it's noteworthy that President uh, Cabore uh, in January 2022 was ousted from power and narrowly survived an assassination attempt after the military coup. Macron and his French government are suspected of being behind that coup. Burkina Faso gained independence from France in 1960. Now, the point is, apparently, they're talking about the, you know, something going on with the air in the room or something like that. And basically, he laughs about, the, he says something that's inappropriate to him. The guy walks away. And then he makes fun, I mean, basically insinuates that he's the help, right? Going to fix the air conditioner. Oh, I don't think I even included that. Oh, that's because it's in another, it's a, um, here, I'll just play it real. It's, it's in French. And everyone's laughing and he's laughing. He makes a joke about him and he leaves. And then that, then the, they're clapping because he left. Those are all people in his support. But the insulting part about this. Right. So he just said he went to go fix the air conditioner. Think about how insulting that is. Right. I mean, that's the whole point. This is why they treat this, this kind of globally globalist puppet. This guy deserves nobody's respect is, so, is, is act is treating them this way. And then somebody steps in and gives them something that at least pretends to give them some kind of agency. I wonder why they go that way. Now, in regard to Prigozhin and Wagner, I think this is a really interesting overlap. Now, I, I, I don't like the idea of the extension of the Russian press. Like, is, I, I don't know how this works out. I don't know if Wagner is, you know, 100% in exact same lockstep with Putin and Russia, or if there's some truth to the discussion about how Wagner is, you know, kind of running his own show and they're, they, Putin's using him to his own benefit. You know, I don't know. The idea that you're letting this kind of overlap happen, it, that could be the issue I'm talking about. Maybe Wagner then, you know, doesn't really respect what Russia's agreements were. I don't know. But overall, there is some overlap to this. As Freddie Ponton points out, this is a Prigozhin interview on the situation in Niger. And he, write, he says the uh, Wagner leader Prigozhin shared his views on the situation in Niger with the African edition of uh, African Liberation, Libre. Translated excerpts down below. Now here's what he says. Economics in the main, in the main, is the main reason for the coup. An anti-French sentiment, he says, in Niger, as the population is in poverty and French France exploit, exploited their resource abundance. That's obvious. France only gave 5% of all profits to Niger. The people, people of Niger, if they controlled the resources themselves, would be rich and happy. Terrorists in Sahal region were created, financed, and controlled by the UN. That's what Wagner says. Uh, by the UN, France, UK, USA, EU, only a huge number of trained troops could control such a large number of terrorists. Interesting. Now, frankly, I agree. Who was at least you know, the potential with pulling the strings? But he's saying it as, as a matter of fact. The terrorists in Nigeria are an attempt to cover up France's ec economic crimes. That's interesting. The population in Nigeria was kept in fear with help of these militias, you know, right? Keeping them in fear, like threats, bad things are happening, and we have to be here to protect you. Right. It's all it's, it's like a, a, a mob tactic to fight the quote, terrorists. Nigeria was literally forced to be pumped full of troops from France and the U.S. See the point? Problem, reaction, solution. Toppled President uh, Bazoum's government allowed France to rampage in Nigeria. He and other higher officials were just covering up the plundering of the country. 
now there is a liberation struggle for the independence of the country, and God willing, they will succeed. Now, you take that for what you will. That's his perspective being stated. Now, here is July 27th, White House, at least in July 27th, stated, we have not seen signs of Wagner in Niger, which is interesting. So which means it was already being floated, which is, which is, I don't know, suspicious to me. Because there's a lot of these narratives that swing out, usually from the paradigm, the left-right manipulators out there, who in one, you know, China bad guy, Russia bad guy, at all expense, at all costs, because that's beneficial to their game. So when, when I, I mean, like, doesn't quite frankly, I believe it's absolutely Wagner's presence as well as Russia's presence in these in what's going in in Nigeria, but also in regard to meetings in Moscow, I think are very real. But I don't know why this came out so early. Maybe it's because he was there, but then why would the White House say he's not? I don't know. I just I don't have an answer to that. But I find it interesting. Now here is an article from yesterday from CNN. A Niger coup leader meets with Wagner, ally Junta in Mali. Hundreds of Wagner contractors, now of course it's CNN, so take it with a pound of salt, but it says hundreds of Wagner contractors are stationed in Mali at the invitation of the country's military junta, you know, the people in control, the revolution, however you want to frame it, to quell an an Islamist insurgency brewing in the area where the borders of Mali, Burkina Faso, and Niger meet. Right, so this is the narrative we're supposed to believe, that they're only there to stop the bad guys that you can prove that they're involved with or have allowed to be present, or on and on and on. But Wagner Chief Prigozhin last week celebrated the coup in, in Niger, saying his private military company could also help in the situation, which is what's kind of spun this into people the, you know, um, putting their thoughts on it. The dramatic ouster of Niger's President Bazoum last week alarmed Western leaders, including the U.S. and France, which are both key stakeholders in Niger's crackdown on local Islamist insurgencies. Right. Well, it's funny they name them insurgencies, first of all. It's a weird choice of, you know, anyway. The point, though, is that ultimately this is about continuing to frame that they're upset because, well, now we can't keep fighting terrorism. U.S. officials have warned that the Russian mercenary group could now seek new opportunities in Niger. Well, see, this is how they frame this. What do you mean, seek new opportunities? Because the inherent point is that, well, if they're going there, it's bad. We have to save them from this Wagner group. Well, that might not be the reality, Right. It says, quote, I would not be surprised to see Wagner attempt to exploit the situation to their own advantage. You mean like you guys do in everything you do? All right. As they've attempted to exploit other situations in Africa to their own advantage. Well, for example, right? This is the State Department speaking. Can you point out a place in Africa that's right now openly being occupied, stolen from? Well, no, they've made agreements with Russia. And if Wagner's present, then that's at least in line with their agreement. Now, what Wagner does going forward should be scrutinized. But are you really going to pretend that that's exploiting the situation like centuries of of colonialization and and robbing their resources? Hardly. So they're just mad because they lost control of what they're of their piggy bank here. Miller added that, quote, any attempt by the military leaders of Niger to bring the Wagner forces into Niger would be a sign, yet another sign that they do not have the best interest of the Nigerian people at heart. How exactly? Well, because Wagner bad guy. Simple as that. We're in kindergarten. You understand? There's no, it's just bad guy. So if they go bad things, right? Like, so the, the idea that what one, they want, they, in many cases want them there or the fact that you can prove that the examples have already overlaps have not immediately demonstrated any kind of situations like we see when the West occupies, occupies an area, but they're simply going, if they're there, therefore they're doing bad things because government says, I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm just simply saying it's a very, it's a wishful thinking. This is what they want you to believe because that makes it easy for them to paint this as illegal stuff, even though it's not, as far as I can tell. 
Now, my point now in general with the Wagner with Wagner's presence, I think it's important to consider what this ultimately means and why it would be Wagner's group as opposed to some more central Russian presence, maybe because Wagner and Prigozhin have played this obvious. I look, that's the best thing to point out, I would argue, like what happened with this fake revolution or, you know, overthrow where they literally made a Wikipedia page like it was going to amount to something big and it was over before they even finished typing. It's obvious the U.S. intelligence got played, especially since the whole thing with Prigozhin. Oh, he's going to be in Belarus. No, no, it didn't happen. You know, it's obvious that they gave a narrative that all the corporate media were just desperate to sow and they just lost control of it. And they immediately went, oh, but they're weakened anyway. And it did, nothing even happened. It's really embarrassing. So this, if I had to guess of why he would be chosen to be the face of what's happening here, if that's how this plays out, because the West is going to lose its mind over this. I don't know, but we have to wait and see how this plays out. The real point should be what ultimately happens to the people of Nigeria. That's all that should matter. Are they happier? Do they have more resources? Are they wealthier? Are the leaders siphoning off all the wealth? If so, is it less than the U.S. government was doing? You know, these are the questions we should be asking to see what actually happens. But I promise you that will not be the framing by pretty much anybody. It's going to be either U.S. good or Russia good. That's all this is going to be. And it's about if they we can't allow China to make agreements with Russia or Africa because, well, that makes them more powerful. That's the real point. It's not whether or not it benefits or doesn't the people of Africa. It's that we can't allow China or Russia to be stronger, to have more presence, because then we lose power. And what gets lost in all that? The people of Nigeria. Now, Bloomberg wrote an article called The Long Arm of the Kremlin and the Politics of Uranium. Now, of course, the whole point is this is just an article meant to argue that this is just a Kremlin ploy. And it's all about the Iranian. Well, I guarantee that has a there's a benefit there. I'm willing to bet you anything in their agreement. The part of that is going to go to Russia. But again, the only thing that truly matters is this was agreed to by the leadership of Nigeria, and the people seem to support it. That's all that should matter. Everything else is politics and narrative. And I'm not saying we know that for sure. We should pay attention, right? But don't listen to what the governments who have investments here or want things from it say to you. Now, of course, Glenn points out the absurd the way that the corporate media frames everything. It's all about the agenda. And even in this case, he says it's amusing they even use the same image nine months apart. Here it was in August 2022. Sanctions are working, whatever Putin says. And it shows him diving into a bunch of money coins like Scrooge McDuck. And then guess what? May, May 2023, same picture. Why the economic war against Russia has failed. So either way you look at it, Putin, well, you know, enriching himself. It's just, too, it's just so pathetic. And the point was that they're screaming that it was, and there's many people still saying sanctions are working and they're not. Slow Newsday points out something that I wanted to add to in a larger point of Russia that concerns the hell out of me. Putin apparently has outlawed anonymity. Identity verification for online services, VPN, bypass, this is a big deal for me. And it's a big, dangerous step in the wrong direction. As Slow Newsday points out, digital currency, not apparently even in the direction of BRICS with the gold backer, this is a digital ruble. This is a CBDC. They've already rolled it out. Censorship, now ID verification to go online with giving advice on VPNs is now a crime. Putin is outweffing the WEF as Russia builds its own new world order. Well, he says with the other BRICS nations, but I don't know. I, I, I don't discount that that might be exactly the point, that we're just in dueling new world orders and it doesn't matter which side we, we side with. That's the false two-party paradigm kind of analogy, right? That's just as likely. But 
what BRICS is saying doesn't seem to align with what Russia continues to do. It's concerning to me. So keep that in mind. Last few points on foreign policy before we finish with Pfizer. Joe Biden apparently is going to ask Congress to fund Taiwan arms within the Ukraine budget, because that makes sense, right? So we're, as we're spending you know, your tax dollars to fund neo-Nazis and extremist elements in Ukraine for the agenda of the U.S. government that has nothing to do with your benefit or the Ukrainian people, he goes, let's just toss in arms for Taiwan. Let's, why not? Let's just make it a hatchet. Like the idea that, one, this is something that we can even legally do, or that this is associated with Ukraine, what it really shows you is this is just about their war agenda and wanting more conflict and more division. All this is going to do is create the exact same thing that's happening in Ukraine and Russia with China. Why is that? What? In, let's put it this way. Americans do not want this. Americans do not want war. Every single time from every angle, every poll shows that most Americans do not want war, despite them having varying opinions on how it should be managed. But in every single administration, increases, including Trump, despite what they say, increases the war footing. It's crazy. And then on a note on one of the new presidents that's being presented as the anti, you know, the good, the direction away from all of this, which I hope, but I don't feel is the case. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has asked the CEO of the Zionist Organization of America, Mort Klein, to serve as his advisor on Israel in his run for U.S. president. And as Whitney rightly points out, it's ironic seeing as how the Zionism Zionist Organization of America was one of the organizations that Robert F. Kennedy tried to have registered unsuccessfully as a foreign agent under FARA. You know, and then he was killed because, you know, no connection at all. Right? I mean, this is incredible to me. Like, how are you even pretending, one, that Zionism is anything other than a political ideology that, in fact, absolutely uses Judaism, which plenty of Orthodox Jews in Israel and around the world are actively speaking up about, which is growing every day. And yet, then you, because they accuse you of anti-Semitism, have to run around screaming and doing everything pro-anything or Israeli government, which is Zionism, not Judaism. I mean, it just blows me away. Like, look, how do you rationalize this with this argument being made that he's only doing this to get elected? That's crazy. That is enshrining this in. I mean, guys, I don't, I, this, you cannot make this argument. As I've said, his stance on Israel is morally indefensible, but it, it, it morally indefensible. But the point is all of the rest of them are even worse. <laughs> So it's not, as I've said, even with that statement, I still find him to be the best candidate out there, assuming your vote even actually mattered, which it doesn't. Of course, we've proven this over and over. So this point doesn't matter anyway. We're all being lied to. But at the end of the day, this is very concerning to me. Now, since we're a little bit longer than I wanted to be at this point, we're going to finish with Pfizer. I was going to include a video that Matt Eric shared with me that I really think is hilarious that many of you probably remember. If you ever watch Whitest Kids, you know, which even the title wouldn't be allowed today, apparently. Well, maybe, well, who knows? But it's the, it's the clip about moon bears, which is hilarious to me. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> How long do we got? Let's see. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put off the long COVID section and we'll kind of breeze over at the end and we'll bring it up later. I'm going to play this real quick and then we're going to finish with the Pfizer hearings, which are just absolutely absurd. Now, the reason I wanted to play this is just because it's it, it's funny. And it's nice to have a little bit of levity, a little humor break in, in how incredibly dangerous and alarming all this stuff is. But also just realize that we, it, we just need to laugh at how dumb this is sometimes. Like how we all, what this, what this video, two minute, three minute video shows is something we all know. Something we all recognize and we all seem to acknowledge or disregard in one way or another. 
but does happen. That we get lied to, that we get floated fake information, fake entire stories just to keep our attention from other things. Now, when this was made, the thing that we're going to get to is, is definitely was more primary and still is when you really understand the bigger picture. But let's just pretend that the main point is about, you know, any, any other big topic of today. And it's just this is what your government does every single day. Okay, thank you for waiting. The uh, president has asked me to come out and make a brief statement about the wire that just went out a couple minutes ago. To make things short, I will just confirm that, yes, we do have a moon base, and, yes, we are currently experiencing some bear problems. Now I will open it up if there are any questions. Mr. President, Mr. Uh, yes. I have a 10, no, 11-part question. I'm sorry, I only have time for two. All right, let me get this straight. So the United States government is admitting that we do have a moon base and that there is a bear problem on said moon base. Yes, that is correct. All right, follow-up question? Are you fucking with us? Yeah, that's a really good question. No, we are not, and I would like to remind everyone to keep the language civilized. This is the White House. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Secretary, Bob Daniels, Newsweek. Mr. Daniels. Um, how long have we had the moon base? And are these bears Earth bears, or are they from the moon? I'm sorry, I'm not at liberty to disclose how long we have had this moon base at this time. Uh, we do believe these to be Earth bears. We have no reason to believe these to be lunar bears or even Saturn bears. Todd Albright, PBS. Um there's Saturn bears? Uh, I am also not at liberty to go into the various types of woodland life forms on Saturn or any of the other 12 planets. Nine planets. Right. Uh, I've said too much already. Uh, what I can show you is the images that have been beamed down to us from the Odyssey satellite system just a couple hours ago. This is the view out of the front door of the United States secret moon base. This was taken yesterday before we discovered the bear problem. And this one was taken just a couple hours ago. So, as you can see, bears everywhere. Question Mr. President, Mr. President, Mr. President, Yeah, those bears appear to have guns and motorcycles. <laughs> we believe they may be involved in some sort of intergalactic drug cartel, perhaps affiliated with one of the uh, interstellar wizard alliances. Wizard alliances? Yes, next question. Just a thought, more of a shot in the dark, but... Uh... We wouldn't happen to be invading Iran today, would we? <laughs> you got me. Uh, you got me. I fell for it. I fell for it. You, you almost got, got away with that one. Uh, no, I, I went too far. I, I, I almost had it. I should have stopped after the slides. I knew yeah, I should have stopped there. I didn't then. think anything about it until the cartel thing, and I was like, what? <laughs> okay. All right, let's forget this whole thing. Who wants a drink? First round's on me. Come on. Yeah. Right, and then, of course, they end while well, they all go out and get a beer together, right? Because you're totally not there to engage in any actual journalism. You know, it's, and it's just nice to have a break and laugh about some stuff. But, like, the reality is this is exactly what we always deal with. Not as cartoonish as that, right? But, you know, balloons and UFOs and whatever else we're talking about. Not I mean, some who knows? Maybe some of these things are some validity. But the bottom line is it's as I the analogy I use that the, the cat toy they dangle in front of us and we all bat at the new thing. That is it's constant. We just need to be real about that. They are acts as, as RFK has said, as my father, as his father told him, the people in power, people in authority lie. 
It's just we have to be real about that, you know. But thank you, Matt, for including that. I thought that was very you know hilarious. But let's finish today with some Pfizer discussion, or rather, COVID nineteen injections and and the dangerous fallout of everything that's happening, and then how Pfizer blatantly omits or lies or doesn't answer these questions. But as the vigilant Fox, a couple quick points to show you where we are for those that may be unaware. Damning report finds COVID vaccines are 24 times more dangerous than those vaccines. It's, I mean, it's just coming out the woodwork right now, out of the seams. Everything is recognizing this. And this is, these are peer-reviewed studies coming out now. 2021 Western Australia Department of Health data, non-COVID vaccines, 1.8 million doses, 200 adverse events. COVID vaccines, 3.94 million doses, 10 point, or 10,428 adverse events. It's not hard to make sense of that. But the reality being is that, and you can look, there's links are all down here, but this is, whether or not you believe what this says, the app, the evidence is undeniable. Net harm, everything they've said is completely backward. They're lying about most of it, that this is increasing your risk of other things, increasing your risk of COVID, increasing your risk of damn near everything you talk about, lowering your immune system, dysregulation. It's unreal. I mean, and this is, everything I just said is backed by peer-reviewed science. Doesn't necessarily make it the truth, but weren't they the ones saying trust the science and now the body of evidence is overwhelmingly in one direction and all we hear is anything else. Anything. There's your cat toy. And one of the points that I just think is unreal, and this just shows you how desperate this is right now, the MHRA of the UK, the government agency in regard to health in the UK, literally blocked Adam Rowland, somebody who is suffering from a vaccine injury. Who's been, it's, it's verified by doctor reports. I interviewed him. If you, I should actually bring that up. I forgot to grab that. He's a great guy. I've been wanting to connect with him again. There it is. Perfect. See how sometimes they pop up and sometimes they don't. I don't get it. Great interview. An important interview. Adam Rowland interview. Those injured by COVID-19 jabs are being ignored, ridiculed, and suppressed. Now, this guy, this is a guy who he worked with high-level athletes in golf and football, NFL, stuff like that. So he knows what he's talking about. The point is, as it says, a government agency blocking him for being severely injured from a vaccine they lied about as being safe and effective. This is the world we're living in. If anyone can find a tweet or anything from me that's disrespectful in the circumstances to the MHRA to warrant this, please show me. The truth is coming out. Believe him. I do, and he's right. The people in this world that don't know what's happening at present will be shocked. Your families are, 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 are will, are will know what you have done at the MHRA. You can never excuse what you have done and you will live with your lies and all the death and suffering you have caused forever. And he's right though, by the way, what he just said there is by far the most scathing of anything he's directed. You can look at his previous discussions and tweets. They blocked him because he's speaking out. That's it. I mean, it's just, it's probably because he tags them and they don't want that to be possible. This is a government agency. Think about how gross that is. As I said, dastardly. My God. Well, you're going to see very clearly. I hope these are people watching right now. I hope people watching right now that have never seen anything else. If you just watch this video, you cannot walk away feeling that these people are being honest. It's shocking. So here's the first clip. Kat A shared this. A tough day for Pfizer Australia in Senate hearings today. Senator Gerard Rinnick who's been outspoken about this, forcing them to admit that they didn't understand the mechanism that causes myocarditis, yet argued they knew that it was a low risk. 
And can you explain the process why the vaccine causes myocarditis and pericarditis? I'll take that, Dr. Hewitt. Sure. Um, based on our clinical trials and pharmacovigilance data, as well as real world evidence following the distribution now of, of billions of doses of vaccine, we retain confidence, strong confidence in the safety profile of the vaccine. So, sorry, Chair, point of order. Point of order. I've asked, do you understand why it causes, I know that it's a low risk, I'm asking, do you understand why it causes myocarditis? I, I, want you, I want you to explain to me why it causes myocarditis. Do you Pfizer, understand why it causes myocarditis? Pfizer is aware of very rare reports of myocarditis and pericarditis that have been temporarily associated with vaccination. Well, they're However, still ongoing for some people. Senator Reddick, uh, Dr. Theroux should answer the question. Thank you, Dr. Theroux. According to public health experts and regulatory authorities around the globe, the number of reports of myocarditis remains small. Oh, I'm not See, it, it, you, you know where this is going. I don't know why this is even allowed. Like in a court of law, I believe it's called a hostile witness, right? Where you just go, look, the guy is very clearly just not answering the question. But yet in Congress, this happens all the time. Oh, we'll put it on notice. Right. We'll get back to it later, which never seems to happen. When's the last time you ever saw one of these contentious points where they go, well, we'll get back to you with it next month. And they never do. The point is, I'm going to play it out. He asked five times. He refuses to answer the question. Very simply, do you know why it causes my crisis? We understand that it's very low around the world. I mean, if I were in this position, I would stop, stop. I, I mean, I don't even know how I would handle this, to be quite frank. But you, you stop. I would, at the very least, I would very clearly articulate what's happening so the record has that. Because they never seem to do that. I would just be like, look, for the record, he is not answering the question. He understands what I'm asking. So you guys can take what you want from that. But he is choosing to continue to say something that has nothing to do with what I'm asking. You know, see what I'm saying? Like, it's just so infuriating. But the point of re why I wanted to show this in the next two clips is it shows you on the surface that they do not want to answer these questions. How do you explain that? I mean, if these are safe and effective and are the one of the miracles of medical science that they pretend that they are, why are they hiding information? Why are they refusing to answer such a basic reality? They're the ones saying it's a low risk that tell me how it works. Well, you know this. We've already played the clips. I'll play afterward where they admit they don't know where the correlative protection, they don't know how it actually works. They just know that it causes a response. That's their own statements to the FDA. And they'll continue to not answer the question. Referring to the number of reports, I want you to explain to me the mechanism of how the... Reports of myocarditis remain small. Well, I'm not referring to the number of reports. I want you to explain to me the mechanism of how the vaccine causes myocarditis. Do you or do you not understand the mechanism of why the vaccine causes myocarditis? It looks to me like you don't. And if you don't understand it, why are you saying the vaccine is safe without qualifying the risks? So, exactly. Um, Senator Rennick, I think uh, Dr. Theroux is actually about to get to that point. Whether people agree, whether there's agreement to his evidence or not is another question for others to make a judgment on. Um, but if Dr. Theroux, if you could uh, again go to um, Senator Rennick's uh, question. Which he doesn't. Senator, uh, all medicines, all therapeutic products and vaccines have uh, benefits and have side oh effects God. as well. Looking at the totality of the evidence for Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine, 
regulatory authorities, health authorities, experts globally, including in Australia, within the Department of Health and the TGA, have maintained that the benefit-risk ratio... That's not the question that I asked. I asked, can you explain why the vaccine causes myocarditis? Yes or no? Uh, Senator, the benefit-risk Yes or no? Oh, my God. So you Even... clearly don't understand the pathway, do you? Because you can't explain it. I'm not referring to the cost-benefit analysis here. I'm referring to do you understand the biochemical pathway as to why the vaccine causes damage to the heart? Senator, I'm happy to take your question on notice and come back to the committee with whatever information we can provide. I might just clarify, I was not referring to a cost-benefit analysis in my previous okay. response. I was referring to the benefit-risk ratio. Which, by the way, he also wasn't asking about, you jackass, right? Like, it just he's just using this as another deviation from the point, right? But yeah, we'll follow up, though. Well, so if you're going to follow up, then why can't you answer that way? Why can't you say, well, I don't know at the moment, but I'll follow up? He won't say that because the truth is that they don't understand this, that they're hiding from, the, or they do, and they very clearly see that this is a waterfall of problems. But whatever it is, they're just choosing to pretend like they want to. Like, this is dishonesty, guys. No matter what you think about the reality of this, whether it's the safest thing in the world, the way that they are responding is dishonest. The same way any politician that does in Congress or any person on that stand who does not respond to the question, who instead circles around it in an abstract way, like, like, uh, um, I'm liking our name, the transgender administration part administration part of Biden's administration gosh what is her name again the one you know the transgender representative on biden's administration what is her name it's basically rand paul was grilling her him about his belief that children toddlers even should be allowed to have trans surgery remember that it was a very important clip and instead of actually answering the question it was the same thing and i mean like six times in a row do you or do you not believe this is okay levine thank you rachel is it rachel is it rachel levine right i don't know why i'm blanking on the name all of a sudden but the point was every time he said senator i believe in the same it was this really practice response that had nothing to do with the answer and it just it's infuriating and this is the same thing and health authorities around the globe continue to recommend uh, the benefits. Uh, and that's, of, this isn't the question that I'm asking. Anyway, thanks, Chair. But can I just, just so I'm clarif clarify as well, Dr. Thru, you've agreed to um, give further, take them the question on notice and give further um, response to that sure. question. Of course. Um, they want for everything. Uh, that is uh, correct, Chair. As I understand, the question was about the mechanisms, uh, and uh, we're happy to take that question on notice. Oh, weird. So he did understand the question that he refused to answer five times in a row. Isn't that interesting? You can't misunderstand that. The fact that he just articulated exactly what the question was, you're looking at a very dishonest person that's being paid to obfuscate and sidestep the truth. That's what this is. There's no, And just like every other circumstance, there's no way you misunderstand that. They're being dishonest. Now, the question is, why? Why is Pfizer being dishonest about these answers? Well, you can decide for yourself. You're a grown-up. But realize that that's an alarming thing to see. Here's the next one. This one was posted by Brooke Jackson. I got some good news, by the way, from her at the end here. Allow me to take these two questions, Senator. Yes and yes. Here is another one from Rennick that is important. 
Does your contract with the government for supply of COVID injections include a clause that negates your indemnity in the event of Pfizer committing a crime such as fraudulent treatment of trial data? Aha, and you see why Brooke is so important. This is important, right? Because if you can prove, which we are doing, and by the way, already have, not in the court of law, because they're about, they are trying to dismiss that case with Brooke, but prove that they did falsify or manipulate trial data, well, guess what? Their contract says that we are then allowed to take action. And this, it's sort of like the other examples we made like this, that this is why they are so desperate to enshrine this in other ways, because they realize that they're exposed. But listen to the question again. This is important. Thank you. Does your contract with the government for supply of COVID injections include a clause that negates your indemnity in the event of Pfizer committing a crime such as fraudulent treatment of trial data? Yes, they've done a lot, by the way. Uh, Senator Pfizer always abides by all of the laws and regulations of the markets in which it operates. It obliged by the highest standards for clinical trials and all its operations. The whole thing was like this, guys, like the whole thing. Does your contract with the government for supply of COVID injections include a clause that negates your indemnity in the event of Pfizer committing a crime such as fraudulent treatment of trial data? The Uh, question is simple. What is the answer? Yes or no? Uh, Senator Roberts, uh, as I had mentioned previously, the contents of uh, Pfizer's uh, contract with the Australian government remains confidential, and I don't have any information that I can provide to the committee in relation to that. Is it true that Pfizer COVID-19 vaccines were developed initially as countermeasures for the American Department of Defence? Because you realise, guys, if it was not in the contract, he'd be able to say no, because there's no reason he would, if it's not in the contract, he's not legally obligated to not say anything, right? So he could say, no, that's not part of the contract, clearly. But the fact that it is part of the contract shows you that he's not allowed to cock about it. It's pretty simple. So yes, the bottom line is, if we can prove in a court of law with, with Brooks' case that they did in fact do this False Claims Act, then that opens up a door that they really don't want opened. This next one is just as important. Remember Sasha Latipova's argument, the DOD, medical countermeasures, and why that's important relation to that. Is it true that Pfizer COVID-19 vaccines were developed initially as countermeasures for the American Department of Defense? Yes. Uh, Senator, our sole focus from the start of this pandemic has been to discover, develop and supply a safe and effective vaccine. I didn't ask you about your focus. I asked you, is it true that Pfizer's COVID-19 injections, vaccines, were developed initially as countermeasures for the American Department of Defense? They, 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 they do not answer the question. Yes is the answer, right? In fact, somebody even put, this is not hard to prove, guys. We've talked about this. This is, this, it's Operation Warp Speed. <laughs> it is a DOD operation. Here's Pfizer on the list for the DOD. The bottom line is this is as easy as it gets to prove something. Why don't they answer the question? Because it hits on something that they've been instructed is not supposed to be discussed. Please watch this interview with Taylor and Sasha Latipova. The reality of this being designed as a countermeasure for the DOD circumvents everything. It circumvents the FDA, everything, guys. We're watching the illusion break down. And this implicates far more than just the Biden family, right? This is the big story. Now, I'm not saying that Ukraine and Biden's family and Hunter are not important. It's just, it's just, it's one part of a big story. And yeah, they should go to prison. I mean, they're criminals. Here's another one. Now, this one was taken from Brooke's phone, it looks like, but this is an important one. This is 10 minutes long. This is one of the most important ones. Now, the way that this goes back and forth, just repeatedly, this is it is you. If you've ever seen people acting dishonestly in one of these situations, this is what it looks like. 
Did Pfizer test whether your COVID-19 vaccine uh, could stop or reduce the transmission of the virus before its approval and rollout in late 2020? Senator, to bring this vaccine to patients, we were required to show that the vaccine was safe and effective in preventing illness, in preventing severe disease and in preventing hospitalisations. The primary purpose of vaccination was and remains to protect the person who received the vaccine. I'll just repeat the question. I appreciate that, but there hasn't been an answer to it. And perhaps so I might just add into the record that on the 3rd of December 2020, your CEO, Mr Albert Burla, told MDC News, and I quote, I th when he was asked whether vaccinated people could carry and spread the virus, he responded to MDC News that, and I quote, I think this is something that needs to be examined. We are not certain about that right now. So was Mr Burla correct that as of December the 3rd, 2020, Pfizer did not know whether the vaccine could stop or reduce the spread of the virus? Senator, as with all vaccines seeking regulatory authorisation, the requirement is to demonstrate in robust clinical programs that the vaccine is safe and effective in preventing the infection, and in this case, in preventing severe disease and hospitalisation. I might just give you one more. Sorry to interrupt, but I've got very little bit of time. I've got five minutes. So is it yes or no? Did you test whether the transmission would be reduced or stopped before the approval of the, the vaccine? Senator, we designed our clinical programs in agreement with... You, you even heard him laugh right there. Now, this is not somebody historically that, that you'll even hear him say it himself. Like, I don't do this, but you, like, this is absurd. This is not real. If all they were going to do is come in here and obviously, I mean, like, like it, I, what's the better word for it? Just, just stand up and just completely sidestep every single question. What's the point of having the hearing? Right. And the point is, he's asking a very, very, very basic question. They've been instructed to ignore and not even get into the concept of transmission and all these huge points that we all know. And this is why they're, this is avoiding accountability in every possible way. Regulatory agencies, the purpose of which was to demonstrate the vaccine was before the approval of the, the vaccine. Senator, we designed our clinical programs in agreement with regulatory agencies, the purpose of which was to demonstrate the vaccine was safe and effective in preventing infections. OK. All right. We might, we might just move on then to another, well, not another topic, no, but on the know, 14th. No, don't. You know what I mean? Like, don't you make, I would sit there and repeat. I mean, no, I guess you, because you only have limited time. <laughs> it's just, this, is, this is set up to fail. 10th of January 2021. So just... A month, six weeks after Mr. Burla's statement to NBC News. Six weeks later, the official Pfizer Twitter account tweeted that, and I quote, the ability to vaccinate at speed to gain herd immunity and stop transmission is our highest priority. We've shown you all these tweets. On what evidential basis, what evidence did Pfizer have to make that public statement to imply that vaccination could stop transmission? Now, if that is easily one of the most simple questions, right? He said the goal is to stop transmission. What evidence did you have at that time that it was? Wouldn't you think that that would be probably one of the easiest things to possibly answer if this is trust the science, safe and effective, everything they're selling it as? Look at how, watch how they answer. Senator, I'm not familiar with the context or the details of those comments, but let me just say that the primary purpose of vaccination, the approved 
uh, product label, the regulatory approvals in Australia and around the world were to prevent infection, prevent severe disease and prevent hospitalisation. That is what our clinical trial program sought to demonstrate. That was what was demonstrated and that was the evidence that was evaluated by regulatory agencies, by health authorities, and that was the evidence, the strong, robust clinical evidence that <laughs> led to the approvals uh, that were received in Australia and in many other countries. Could, could I ask? No, but just since we're getting into that specifically, let's not forget of the... I'll go through his post. James Sintolo, thank you for always <laughs> using your post to get this. The reanalysis of their phase three trials. Right, this is 2022, not retracted, very clear. 36% higher risk of serious. So the point is what he's pointing at right there has already been shown to be not just inaccurate, but like a blatant misrepresentation. They lied about what they saw. And everything shows that right now. All the new information coming out, the real world observations, the new sites, it's all showing us net harm, increased risk of anything you want to list off. Now it's hurting people. And their own data shows that. And here he is saying that, well, we our only effort was to make the thing work. And the point is their own trial, their own data showed they weren't even meeting that. I ask you to take that on notice then. Um, the, the, the question being on what, evi what evidence did Pfizer have for their statement on Twitter on the January the 14th, 2021? Senator, I'd be uh, happy to take that question on notice and come sure. back to the committee with what information we're able to provide. So, so by June in 2021, in June, on the 8th of June. He, just really quickly, here's what that'll look like. They'll come back with the information they can provide, which will be another broad, nonsensical, non-answer on a piece of paper. That's it. That's what happens. Senator, we have done our best to make sure that everything is up to standard. That's what it'll say. And then it'll be on the on the, you know, whatever, it'll be acknowledged that they did send a response, even though he's going to then go, but this is not what I asked for. It just becomes this stupid process on paper, which takes exponentially longer. This is, these people are unaccountable unless we do something about it. Um, the Pfizer CEO, Mr. Albert Berla, he tweeted, Ber Berla. And that doesn't mean violence, as always. He tweeted, and I quote, that the vaccine was a critical tool to help stop transmission. Was there any evidence... What, what evidence did Mr. Burla have by that stage, by June the 8th, 2021, uh, that, the, that vaccination could stop transmission? Senator, it has been very clearly demonstrated that the robust efficacy of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine has been a, a, a centrally important tool in enabling societies to uh, open up international borders Incorrect. to uh, reduce... OK, I'm asking for what evidence. What, what is that evidence? What, where, where, can you point me to a study that Pfizer or uh, an independent scientist has done that to, to, to give grounds for Mr Burla's statement that it, your vaccine stopped transmission? His answer is experts said. Don't you know? Don't you know? Experts said it was good, safe and effective. Senator, I'm not familiar with the context uh, of that statement. But okay, we've, well. we've uh, complied and worked very closely. The context of the statement that, it's, that it stops transmission, that's the, I'm under, familiar with the context of him saying a one-sentence concept that's easy to understand. Dishonesty. Now, there's a really important part that comes out here soon where he mishears something and the way he answers and the way the guy next to him responds. 
I think it, I don't know if it comes, it might be a little bit later, but just watch out for it because it's very telling. The guy with white hair is shocked and looks right at him like, I can't believe you just said that. Now watch for it. It's coming. Mostly with the regulatory agencies around the world um, to prove the evidence that they required to approve this vaccine to prevent infections, severe disease and hospitalizations. Okay. Um, well, could I ask you to take on notice again the, the evident, evidential basis for Mr. Berla's comments on in, what was the date? Uh, June the 8th, 2021. Everything on notice. Cool. Happy to take that. Thank on you. Evidence. Thank you. Does, does, do you still believe that the COVID vaccine, your COVID vaccine, is a critical tool to help stop transmission? Absolutely. It's a critical tool in preventing, as I that, said earlier. Tell me that that's not one of the most important moments in this entire thing. The guy freaked out because what he just did there is admit something that's obviously not true. They weren't supposed to say anything because then it get, either they're lying or they admit it's not working. Right? Watch again. This is super important. I'd be happy to take that. Thank you. Evidence. Thank you. Does, does, do you still believe that the COVID vaccine, your COVID vaccine, is a critical tool to help stop transmission? Transmission. Absolutely. It's a critical tool in preventing, that. as I said earlier, infections, severe disease and hospitalisation. So the way he responds, I don't know whether he did. He, I don't know what just happened right there. Maybe he in his mind was like, oh, shit, I didn't. I just, you know, and then try, and then answered as if he didn't understand the question, which was hospitalization and death had nothing to do with transmission. Right. Or he really misunderstood the question. Really, what's important is that guy just showed us that they were not supposed to say that. Now, how does that make sense? Aren't we being told that this thing is effective in transmission as well as everything else, even though that doesn't really stop all transmission? But that's not true, guys. We know that, and they just let that out of the bag right there. Okay, that wasn't my question. I, I, you did, I think, say absolutely, but just to be clear on that evidence, and if I could clar get you to clarify, do you believe, as far as, as, far as his view... That, that your COVID vaccine is a critical tool to help stop transmission. Sorry, I may have misheard your question. Okay. Sure. I was reporting yes, that. I, okay, that's why I re-asked it. I thought you might have misinterpreted it. But is, is your view that the, your vaccine is a critical tool to help stop transmission? Uh, Pfizer's view is that the vaccine is a critical tool in protecting the health of individuals who are vaccinated and enabling society to operate uh, normally as it is uh, at the moment. Think about that ridiculous answer. What is that? I mean, so so you're going out of your way to say, say nothing while saying a million things at once. Like what you're saying is that it's always been our goal to bring them back to normal and give them something that would help. And it's like, what? That has nothing to do with anything. You're saying meaningless statements that don't won't hold up in any court of law because it's we don't even know how to define what it means in regard to this conversation. Does it or does it not work in transmission, right? It's a very basic thing. Vaccine is a critical tool to help stop transmission. Uh, Pfizer's view is that the vaccine is a critical tool in protecting the health of individuals who are vaccinated Pfizer's and enabling society to operate uh, normally as it is uh, at the moment. Well, OK, I, I, I'm taking from that that you, you don't think that it's a critical tool to help stop transmission. You have right. repeated Mr. Burla's statement today under right. oath, so it doesn't sound like you're that confident in it. Because they would be resoundingly saying that they, because it, it, that if they could, because that's a big, important thing. We did it. We did it. But they don't. I mean, it's obvious. Most of the things they did here was basically expose the truth by omission. And that's the best they can do. You know why? Because they're caught. Because they're losing the control of the narrative. That's why. Because of you.
What I'm concerned about here is that you have a statement from your CEO that is obviously very has huge weight for governments around the world on their regulatory settings, saying that the COVID vaccine could stop transmission or was a critical tool to help stop transmission. Can you point me to any statements made by Pfizer officials, Pfizer fish, uh, the Pfizer CEO, anything that has that has pulled back, that has has has. Uh, somewhat moved away from that very strong statement of Mr Burles in June 2021 that it was a critical tool to help transmission. Have you clarified the record since that time? Uh, Senator, I'm very confident that the evidence that we have presented to regulatory agencies still stands and clearly demonstrates that the vaccine is safe and effective for its intended use. Not what he asked at all. He's talking about transmission, and they know that. That's not my question. That's not. I'm sorry. I'm very, very sorry to, to pull you up. I don't normally do this, but but we have very limited time, and you are being very, very shifty here. You are not answering the very clear questions. Senator Kennedy, so, can I just? Can I, oh, hang on. No, sorry, no, Senator. No, no, can I just? Like sorry, can I? Can I? Sorry, no. Can I? Can I? Can I just? Can I? Can I? Can I? Can I just, um, just, uh, Senator Canavan's got the floor. Any questions are through the chair. So this woman literally broke protocol to be able to stop him to say, but he's a scientist. You can't, you can't, you, you need to just let him answer. Just take what he says at face. Really? Yeah, because that's the prevailing mindset of lunacy in our power structure. Well, there's science. He's a scientist. So you don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, he's being a ridiculous clown by actually in import- very clearly, like almost, I mean, the point that she must know this too, right? That he's not answering the question. But so she tries to inste- step in to say, you, you, he's answering. Just let him in. He's a scientist. And knowingly breaking protocol to the point for the chair has to stand up and say, look, you can't just speak up. You have to at- talk through me if you're going to, you see my point? So obviously there are people involved in this that want this to just go away. That'd be my opinion. And secondly, um, I do allocate time yes. so people can actually have their train of questions, I'll, I'll which, finish I'll, up now which I'll allocate you, to others. I'll, I'll go finish, to Senator Rennick next. I'll finish with this. But, but what my point here is that, uh, is that governments by late 2021 in this country, our government, Australian government, state governments imposed vaccine mandates on their own employees and required other employees to impose them on their employees. They definitely did that in part based on the evidence and advice from organisations like yourself, from the statements of Mr Burla, We were constantly told by our leaders that your, your vaccine was necessary to stop the spread. And I have pages and pages of quotes from those leaders saying that the vaccine would stop the spread. What I'm asking you is, you would have seen those statements. You're the head of regulatory services. You would have seen those statements. Is there any, any statement from Pfizer that clarified Mr Burla's statement from June 2021 that, that responded to the very strong statements from premiers about your product? Because if there's not, what you're doing is effectively only reporting the good news that you have about your vaccine uh, and not clarifying where there may be a shortcoming from your product. As well as the fact that the so-called good news is also not even true. That has then led uh, to thousands of Australians to lose their jobs. And why, why? Yes, and their livelihoods. Why hasn't that clarified the record on transmission uh, when governments have used that to mandate your product and provide you then with billions of dollars of profits around the world by doing so? Uh, Senator, perhaps um, I can make a comment. So um, Pfizer was very clear in making an application to TGA 
that it sought an indication for active immunization to prevent coronavirus disease caused by SARS-CoV-2. But you said more than that. I, that's not what I, I'm asking about right. your public statements from your CEO. He said it was a critical tool to stop transmission. And I can't find anything from him or anyone else of his employees that has removed back from that statement since, yet you won't repeat his statement on evidence today. So you obviously don't believe in it. Why haven't you clarified the public record since June of 2021? Just before you answer that question, and, and that's I'll, I'll need, if you can answer that question, but then I'll, I'll go to Senator Rennick. Uh, so, Senator, again, I, I can only repeat that in making an application to TGA, Pfizer sought active immunisation to prevent coronavirus disease caused by SARS-CoV-2 and was very clear in its application to TGA. Right. That is what they're trying to do. Right. But we applied to do just that without even saying the word transmission. And they approved it, didn't they? You fill in the blank, right? That's what they're doing. No, because what you're trying to do is avoid admitting what we all know at this moment on the record. But all you're really doing is kind of in tying in the government because we know this is involved too. So the government allowed this to go forward, even though we can prove that we knew at the moment that you did not have the evidence you needed to go forward. And all they can do is, well, they approved it. So, you know, that's what he's doing right there. That's, that's pathetic. That is the most dishonest thing I've ever seen. And they are actively, actively gaslighting people while they know these things are hurting people and making billions and billions of dollars. And it's about to start again. <laughs> it's just it's it's ridiculous. Right. But as always, the bottom line is the only reason this is so incredibly ridiculously obvious is because you're making a difference. And I truly believe that we can make a difference to the point to where this stops if we keep staying the course. If we stay the course, if we continue to fight for the truth, stand up for what we believe in, have morals and integrity in a nonpartisan way, and realize that the governments and the government is out to control you. And by doing, by keeping you divided and hating your neighbor based on political standing, they continue to do that. Wake up. Ah, thank you all for being here. Those of you are always in the chat, part of this community, it is your because of you that we are here, because of you that people are seeing these things. You're just as responsible. You're part of this platform, and you're the reason that we're here. So thank you for continuing to fight. Stay the course. I believe we are making a difference. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Tonight, keeping drug companies honest, a story that's simply stunning about multi-million dollar profits and illegal activity at this country's biggest drug company. The Justice Department alleges Johnson & Johnson boosted sales by paying millions of dollars in kickbacks to pharmacists and doctors who pushed the drug Risperdal to patients who did not need it. The medical editors of that journal accused the drug company Merck of misleading them about the dangers of Vioxx, of hiding the fact that it caused even more heart attacks than previously known. Johnson & Johnson paid $2.2 Eli Lilly paid $1.4 Pfizer and its subsidiary paid $2.3 And GlaxoSmithKline paid out a record $3 billion. For seven years, Glaxo failed to report data showing its best-selling diabetes drug. Avandia increased the risk of heart attack by as much as 40%. Opioid epidemic has killed more than 400,000 Americans. 
Tonight, Purdue agreeing to pay more than $8 billion in penalties. Antidepressant Paxil wasn't approved for use by patients under 18. The company illegally marketed the drug for use by children, even when a clinical trial found teenagers who took the drug for depression were more likely to commit suicide than those taking a placebo. Purdue Pharma pleading guilty to felony charges of defrauding federal health agencies and violating federal kickback laws for inducing doctors to prescribe those powerful opioids. Glaxo also hired a company to write a medical journal article downplaying the risks. The firm used PR firms and paid several doctors, including the U.S. celebrity doctor, Drew Pinsky, to promote the drug. If you can't trust medical research that gets published in very established journals, what can you trust? But as Bob Orr reports, the massive settlement may not lead to much change. Is fraud the business model of the pharmaceutical industry? No one's going to jail. No one's going to prison. And worse yet, they've set up a situation where Purdue's going to be able to continue on. You look at this thing, and I mean, if Pfizer is too big to fail, and even the biggest fine in history is just a few months' profit, then what's going to stop it from illegally promoting other drugs? Critics say Anderson nothing.